This episode of Forging Flame is brought to you by Onnit, the total human optimization website. You can go to onnit.com right now and enter the code FORGINGFLAME at checkout for 10% off any of your dietary supplement purchases. You can also check out a free trial for their three primary supplement products. They've got Alpha Brain for nootropics, Shroom Tech Sport for fitness and recovery, and New Mood for your mental well-being. Uh, not only do they have a host of great supplements, but they've also got just about anything you could possibly need for your health or fitness journey. They've got resources for training. They've got certifications and a ton of great workout equipment. Again, Forging Flame at checkout, 10% off. It's awesome. Do it. Do it. Welcome to Forging Flame, a podcast all about the creative process where we have conversations with creatives of all types, artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, all types of creatives, like I said. Today we have, well, first let's introduce ourselves like we do in every episode. My name is Ryan Selleck. And I'm Nick Hinton. And today we have Mallory Hodgkin. Hello. That's her. Hi. <laughs> That's Mallory. Mallory is a super talented visual artist, and I honestly don't even know where to begin. Uh, Mallory and I have been friends since since high school. Uh, we hung out around a lot of the same people, and she was a great artist back then. And I've been saying, we said on the live video a couple days ago, something happened. I don't know what it was, but about five or six years ago, something shifted and I can't even keep up with you anymore. <laughs> like you're just, you're just going. And she brought us these awesome stickers today. Um, does he have a name? She, uh, that's Hayden. Hayden. His, when I drew him the first time, it was for a patch design and his hat says, Hey, and I named him Hayden. I thought it was funny. Nice. <laughs> so, and, and all of these characters that I've seen, these, these, cartoonish <laughs> d d demented on some like really subtle level uh, they all have a lot of personality right do they have backstories i mean this guy's got a some, name some of them do oh man you just open a can of worms yeah. right oh, away yeah. we're getting right we're just, into it we go into deep end here um so. in even just the last even just since quarantine i've been kind of sitting down and trying to think of like where am i really going because i've kind of like i blasted to a point and then I know we'll talk about it, but conventions stopped this year. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do with my time? And um, I had already had this logo for a little while. And then I changed logos to a different one and didn't feel like I liked that one as much. So I went back to this green tiger and something about this green tiger was really cool. I have another character that I draw a lot. that's called the Big Red Wolf. He's a really popular oh, yeah. character, kind of, he's kind of my Garfield, you know, <laughs> I put him on lots of things and people get really excited about it and I really like him too, so it makes it nice. But I sort of decided that that character and this character, they're both green <clears throat> and so I wanted them to be Martians, so they're actually just aliens that live here, they've come to this planet and Hayden wants to take over the world. He wants to continue the mission. He wants to take over the world. <laughs> you can see that in his eyes. <laughs> yeah. He wants to continue this mission, but um, Rad is the other character's name. His name is just Rad. And 
he just wants to skateboard and surf and have fun. And unfortunately for Hayden, he's not the commanding officer. So they get to just surf. And Hayden works at a liquor store and that's how they live. <laughs> I can't wait to see this cartoon. <laughs> I had it in my mind and I wanted it to be that super... Super low frame animation from the eighties, like Heathcliff, yeah, sure. where like all the stuff's super exaggerated because yeah, you only yeah. had five frames to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so someday when I learn how to animate, maybe. Oh, I can't wait! That's amazing. So okay, I guess we should, for the audio listener, we should probably give a brief description about the type of art that you predominantly create. Hey, I know a good guy for that. Yeah, yeah, Nick Hinton. He oh. is really great at describing artwork. And you were you were giving me an earful right before she got here. <laughs> well, I I I do this thing where like I I like since I don't understand art or like how to like really analyze it, I just try and like analyze the psychology of the artist by looking at the art. You know? Okay, now and, I definitely want to hear yeah. it. <laughs> and uh, without like getting like super specific, because obviously that would just be speculation, right? Like, there's this like. There's this odd crossover of like some stuff that's very, very much like Disney-esque. And then there's this like odd like Hanna-Barbera tilt. And like there's, there's just a lot of like elements of my childhood that are obviously at play, right? And then there's this like odd Lisa Frank element and like this like psychedelic <laughs> thing happening. And it's so it's – like there's definitely like this subtle demented sort of thing happening, <laughs> right? For sure. But to me, That's like definitely a compliment. I if I'll take I were it as one. <laughs> if I were breaking you down, I would probably assume that like you maybe identified a bit more with the villain in the Disney flicks, like a, <laughs> like at least as much as the princess, right? Like probably a little bit of both going on there. Yeah, it wasn't much of a princess kid. Yeah. It was you know Scar and Shere Khan and Jafar. They were all yeah. cool. They all were designed cool. They were more interesting. Right. You know, like your friend wants to be Jasmine or whatever, and you're like, I want to be her pet tiger. <laughs> <laughs> And oh god, okay. So yeah. now I'm co opening up a can of worms just by I put a put my phone in front of Nick Hinton with uh with Stabler Cake, uh, Mallory's Instagram page, which is just full of just what the fuck, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God, it's just it's just so fucking fun, yeah. you know. And like me personally, I I respond very heavily to nostalgia. Same. The <laughs> so there's there's plenty of that in there for me, right? And then you've got like this this playing card series with the with the animals. Oh, I'm I want like, that someday. I'm, I'm you should have told me I would have brought you with that. <sighs> you have full. Decks I definitely of want to. Yeah, they're Jesus made. They're real. They're a Christ. thing, and there's a story behind that too, isn't there? Um, not really. Oh, was really? that sad? Okay. Oh, wasn't that sad? It was just like, there was I, a thing. It was like some controversy that I was Oh my God. Of. Yeah. Well, okay. That is a story. I thought okay. you meant behind making them. Oh, okay. Making them was an absolute blast. I loved every minute of it. I wanted to do more cubist work and playing cards, the face cards are already cubist. So mm -hmm. it was like, that's a great way to mix merch making, which I already love mm -hmm. and doing a new style. And so when I made those, it just was like, it just felt so good. I wanted to keep going back and doing it. I'd love to do another one again here soon. And it was just awesome. But for some reason on Instagram, and I didn't know this, there's this whole group of people called Cardists, <laughs> which is a card and card and artist, I assume, mixed together. I don't know if okay. that's true. 
But they're not artists who make cards. They're artists who collect cards and, like, do, like, tricks and stuff with them, which is cool. Like, that's a really cool thing. But apparently they're very anal about how their cards are made. And if you have a card deck that's on pre-order and you don't tell them where you're getting it manufactured, they will poop their pants all over (laughs) your page (laughs) asking where you got it. And I I was working with a company, so I didn't know who was making them. Sure. I work with a company called Ouijapedia. I license a lot of stuff through them just to expand my reach. Mm. And that's actually – it's a company of friends. You know, it's not like some conglomerate in China or something. Um. But they were trying to help me get the cards made and stuff, and I didn't know where they were making them. And so I kept trying to turn these people. I was like, just go to them. And Ouija Pija's like, no, we're not going to tell you where we get – would Walmart <laughs> tell you where they get in their faded glory? No, they're not going to tell you that. What are you talking about? And so apparently in the cardist community, they will be up your butt the whole time. And when I when I told put on stories, I was like, I'm not going to tell you that. Like people got really mad. I was like, there's like five of you. You all have like 15 followers put together, and I don't know why you're so angry. <laughs> Some people just need something. You yeah, know? and yeah. they're they're perfectly good cards. But when some some one person got them and he was like, "Oh, it's like a mid tier card," and I'm like, "That's what I was going for. <laughs> I wanted a card that people could play with." Wow, they really are cardists, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, Pinky's out when you talk Jeez. about that. Right. They're probably gonna get mad about this episode. Oh, oh sure. they can suck shit. Uh, um, uh, now. The one thing I I really do love about this, right, and you mentioned that you were going for something uh, stylistically different than what you're typically doing. But while it is, I I mean, I don't know what cubism is necessarily, but I can look at this and, like, compare it to what you normally do and say, okay, I think I know what that means, right? But, like, while this stylistically is very, very different, it definitely still screams, like, you yeah, and, and that's what I wanted. Yeah. I, I want everything that I make that even if I try something new, like there's a there's a piece on my Instagram also that's of like a Tibetan mask that's really it's more naturalistically shaded, mm. um, but I still wanted it to make it look like I made it. So mm. I always try to. I mean, I don't think I can do it even if I tried not to, if that <laughs> makes sense. So, but it's it's definitely something I still wanted to scream me. I just wanted it a little bit more. I don't know, like. My dad loves the card deck. I'll put it that way. More boomer of an audience. Sure. Okay. You know, like I wanted I wanted More to appeal, appeal I wanted to appeal to a slightly broader audience versus I, I typically hit home with people who are our age or mm-hmm. um are really into cartoons just generally, comics or animated or whatever. Or drugs. Or drugs, or all, I, or, or all of the above. <laughs> and what, one other I was gonna mention earlier too, one other way that like is is like very descriptive i think <laughs> very appropriate if lisa frank worked for walt disney but just ate a lot of acid like that's <laughs> i love it <laughs> you know, like there's there's so much like bright vivid color you know it looks like most yeah. of your stuff would be like blacklight reactive some of it is uh, i there's a would hope. there's a blacklight poster on there i want to make more this year but oh yeah it's sold really fast i i don't know I love blacklight posters. I guess so does everybody else. Yeah. So <laughs> that's but, great. But it is it is just so like psychedelic in nature. Like in that, even just the use of color and the stuff that's more simple and cartoony, like the hyenas and and you know the some of the wolf stuff. Like I th- I feel like the use of color does imply a bit of psychedelia in, yeah. a, in a weird yeah I don't, sort of I don't like way. natural or normal local color. Mm. Local color being 
not, maybe not for you guys, but for your audience, local color is the color that something is. So like this mm. chair that nobody can see because I'm on radio <laughs> is like burgundy, you know, but it's got black shadows and yellow highlights and things like that. So a local color of that is burgundy, but I would not make that chair burgundy if I drew it. Okay. okay. <laughs> hmm. Which yes. is why the tiger is green, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Just right out of the gate, start fucking with it. I like it. Yeah. If I have to use brown, I don't know why I bothered to draw it. <laughs> yeah. And that's what ha- that's actually what happened like five or so years ago. I put down the brown. Oh, okay. So that was part of it. And then, you know, the other part of it was that time, that five years ago time was right when I stopped working in jobs that I didn't like or art jobs. Like I didn't, I didn't have an art job. I've never had an art job ever. I'm realizing now. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> I've had probably 20 jobs over the years and none of them were art related. They were all just jobs that I needed to pay the bills, you know, coffee barista, office stuff. I worked for an insurance company for about a year. And while I was working for that insurance company, they had us on so much overtime that I was doing 12 hour days. I hadn't paid it anything in a year. Mm. You know, I barely drew. And at least at the, I had a job before that, which was at a furniture company. And I drew all the time there because what am I going to do, work? Like, you know, (laughs) and so that kind of allowed me to have a creative outlet. But it also stymied me from going further because Mm. it let me have the outlet. And so I was like, this is enough. But Mm. it it wasn't really enough. So when when I went on to the insurance, I was working all day, every day. And, uh. I just, I broke, I fell apart. And one day I was like, I can't do it. And I texted my, I chatted to my boss at work and I went, I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was pretty much like, this is too much work. Like it's literally too much work. And she, she was like, well, there's nothing we can do about that. I'm like, oh no, I think you're misunderstanding me. I'm done. (laughs) So that was my two weeks. And, uh, I left and I just started trying to make artwork. I was trying to do, you know, shows. I was trying to get into shows in breweries all around town. I was calling people, emailing people. I was trying to make friends, trying to do this and that. Um, Orange was done at the time, that event. Mm -hmm. Um, And Orange was something big that I used to do before I got those jobs. You know, I did that every year and that was really cool. With a booth space. Yeah. So it had a booth space and it's, it's old enough that people probably aren't familiar with it. It's just a big art and music blowout. A great, great time. Yeah, Yeah. It's a super great time. And so you just, I would sit there and I'd sell at my orange booth, you know, and I'd sell all my originals and stuff like that. And so because I liked that so much, it was like, well, we'll, I kept seeing people sell at conventions online and the tables looked like the tables at Orange, but a lot smaller. And so I was kind of like, well, what if I tried that? And my first convention was Indie PopCon of 2015, I think. And I think I made like 500 bucks, which was like, that was so much money. (laughs) You know, like you could sit for three days and make 500 bucks. That's way more than I made at any other job. You know, not to say that it's once a year, but you know. Yeah. Don't tell me. Don't, don't, let's not talk about that. But like if (laughs) I go back and look at my table, I'm like, oh, look at your sad little table. It's so small. Um, But when I did that, I was like, oh, that felt really cool. Oh, yeah. I think I want to try more. And so because I didn't know anything about conventions, I was doing, was trying to look for comic conventions just nearby so that they were easy. Um, so I went to Cincinnati Comic Expo, which was horrible. If you're out there and you're not drawing, like, if you're not super into Western comics, 
don't sell it at comic conventions, like just as a general rule, like especially from the get go. Like if you're more established, like you can probably still get get your money's worth out of it. But if you're just starting, don't pay the money. It's not worth it. But I just didn't make anything and it was such a bummer. Mm. But while I was there, I met some people that I'm still friends with today and we're very, very close. We go to most cons with each other and they were like, you know, furries have a really terrible rap, right? And I'm like, yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) But I draw mostly animals anyway. It's what I like to draw. And they were like, just come with us to Atlanta and try this one and see if you like it. And I was like, okay, fair enough. You know, if they make money, I don't really care who it comes from. It can come out of somebody's, you know, sweaty paws or whatever. (laughs) And uh, so I went and I made great money. I had a teeny tiny table. I had barely anything to show for it, but I made like 800 bucks just out of my little teeny tiny. I I had a quarter of what I was selling at that PopCon. I had barely anything and I made good money. And so I just kept doing that. And it turns out furry is really fun. And now I'm a stupid furry. So, (laughs) but you know, whatever works, right? Yeah. And I try to keep one foot in that and one out. I try to make things that are appealing to people who aren't in the subculture because the subculture is not my whole life. It's Mm. like 10% of it, 10% of it, which is fun, that fun 10%. But I want to make things that people like to use every day and aren't embarrassed to go to work in and, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) Well, so one, one thing that I wanted to kind of touch back on because I've, I've found that through having these conversations with the people that, that sit down with Ryan and I, um, we usually wind up kind of organically stumbling, stumbling across information that's, that's really broadly applicable to people who, um, are artists or, well, in this case, most specifically focusing on art artists, my question. Um, but, uh, just stuff that's, that's super useful, uh, for people to hear. And you mentioned, uh, the period of time where you weren't able to create when you were working for the insurance company and you said that you broke mm-hmm. and I've, I've known a lot of heavily creative people who have even ridden that line of like almost breaking for a long time because they are stifled by, you know, their day job or whatever their circumstances are and not to, you know, get, get to a super dark place. But I mean, with as much as you'd be willing to like, with, with as much as you'd be comfortable sharing, like what did that break look like for you? Like on the, on the deeper, more emotional side, like what, 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 what did you go through? Sure. Um, so at that insurance job, you have to talk on the phone to people every day, obviously. I was a claims sure. handler, so I'm the person that people are talking to when their cars are broken. Mm. People are already upset. You know, I'm not talking to people all day who are ex- happy to call you. Right. You're not the lottery service. Mm. I'm a service that's necessary that's not that fun and that everybody's dealt with. And you can kind of hear the misery on that clerk's voice, you know. Right. This is this is it. Now, I got paid very well, but they better be in that business. Yeah. It's um, – and I'm I'm introverted, like, through and through. I'm an artist. Like, obviously, those are pretty synonymous usually. Sure. I hate the phone. Yeah. Before this, I hated the phone. Hate the phone more now. <laughs> but – so that was already a lot of really negative energy for me. So yeah. I had to internalize all of these people who were having a bad day because they got in a car wreck. Now I'm having a bad day because they're having a bad day. And I want to help them, but I can't because there are so many things that I have to do to help them. So there's so many different, like, 
things that I have to get through. There's people you have to wait for. There's things you have to do. Or if somebody has a total loss on their car, I actually worked for a company that does primarily work with the elderly. So I had a lot of people on fixed budgets mm. who would say, what am I supposed to do about a totaled car? I can't buy one. And I'm like, I don't have an answer for you. Mm. And I feel bad that you're crying on the phone with me, ma'am. You know? <laughs> so it's just, it was just so much of that being put in a vessel, sure. you know, and just every day I was up to my neck in those negative feelings. And, you know, for the people who would work there for years, it would just go down, you know, it'd be gone. You know, you, you'd be able to let it out. And then the next day you can fill up that vessel. But Mine didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. So I'd go home and I'd just cry. <laughs> and so and so my boyfriend, after a few weeks of literally crying every day, and I will say in this time, my grandmother got diagnosed with cancer right at the end. So I'm trying to deal with that. But I can't go visit her because I have 12-hour days at work. Right. And so he's just like, why are you working there? And I was like, well, I need to pay for things. And he was like, you have money. It's fine. Just don't work there anymore. I was like... Oh, and so I think I just like looked up and I went, I can just stop. I can just stop working there. Or he told me he told me to ask if there was some way I could like lessen my workload uh, or just he was. And then I was like, well, what if she can't? And he's like, well, then just leave. Like, <laughs> it's not your dad. Like, <laughs> fair point. So um, so I ended up just leaving and I put my two weeks in and the last part of those two weeks, I was genuinely trying to be as helpful as I could. But at the end of the day, I, I was not the right person for that job. Sure, not, yeah. Somebody is. It was not me. And so I just it was a I broke, but not. Hmm. It's really hard to explain. It's like it's more like breaking a glow stick instead of like breaking a bucket. So sure. say you break a bucket, you got a hole in it. Now you got to repair the hole. But the glow stick, you need to break it for it to work. Mm -hmm. So if you break the glow stick, well, now it's fine. And now it'll work <laughs> and now it's going to do stuff. And, you know, it'll get dimmer and brighter, but it'll figure it out. So yeah. I like I like that uh, that analogy of, analogy of breaking the glow stick. I'm going to I'm going to save that for like <laughs> valuable friend advice. <laughs> It was it was honestly it really important for me to break. I don't think mm -hmm. that without it, I would have done what I did. Sure. Because it was my last, it was what I knew how to do. You know, and if I had just had a job that was easy all day, that's why it took me almost a decade until I tried to even make my college degree worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So. Not so, just college degree, but like natural proclivity natural just talent yeah, it's just raw what i do and yeah you love doing it clearly because you've been doing it as long as i've known you yeah and I, I mean even now even though it's my job i still do it for fun i actually tweaked my back this past weekend and i couldn't do anything so instead of doing like house chores i was like well what do i do i don't want to watch tv anymore it's boring and the only thing i could think to do was to draw and it was fun <laughs> so you know it's just the if the passion's there like why did i spend so long Running from it, you know, it was scary when I mm -hmm. finally quit. Absolutely terrifying, but it was worth it. Good. Took a leap and found out that at the bottom was a feather bed. Yeah. Mm. I took a leap, found out at the bottom that it was not sharks. Adorably angry tigers. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, I'm not quite at feather bed. The feather bed is, looks nearby, but I need to swim. So sure. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, I mean, if that's part of your process, you know, yeah. I guess you'll probably just find that you 
have to do a lot of swimming just to create in general then, right? Like Yeah. Oh, I mean, even just the the beginning right after right after I quit that job, it was it was a struggle. It was just the hustle, you sure. know, and I didn't make enough to pay my bills for a year and a half. You know, mm-hmm. I was doing other stuff. I delivered pizza, but who cares? It's not mentally taxing to deliver right, pizza. Right. And so, and I walked out of that job, like who cares, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, uh, and I worked at a coffee shop for years. And then the point where the coffee shop actually took away from time that was better spent making artwork because the artwork actually made more money than the coffee shop was the day where I was like, wow, I did it. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that awesome. is a heavily powerful and vibratory like place to be. It was yeah. a big day. Yeah. I remember it was October. It was awesome. <laughs> it's fucking great, man. So, do you feel? Do you feel like there's any direct influence? Like, can you see visually in the art that you create your experience working for the insurance company? I don't know. Maybe in the darker, yeah. like darker times. I mean, you know, I. I'm not neurotypical. I've known that for years. You know, the the sort of like depression, anxiety zone that you live in, like as like that a high schooler usually. And then it's like, oh, you'll grow out of it. And I didn't grow out of it. <laughs> so but I think with creativity comes self-doubt and self-doubt creates anxiety and depression. So they all just kind of hang out together. But without self-doubt, you don't try again. So if you're are always happy with what you make, you never improve. So I kind of like my self-doubt. Sure. Mm-hmm. So when you have those negative, the negative feelings that I felt at the insurance company, those feelings, I felt worse about, and this is weird because I, we, I used to listen to um, the Rogan podcast with my boyfriend mm-hmm. and he would talk all the time about how like you need to follow your passions. And for some reason, especially at that time, he would talk about it a lot and he would talk about it with either creatives or, or, you know, I don't know, he wasn't talking to Elon yet, but you know, people like that people who went their own way and did their own thing. And they always talk about how like they did that. And then I'd feel horrible for not doing that. And Mm. I'm like, how are they so much stronger than I am? And I'm this like weak little baby. So actually the negativity that I felt from the customers actually just kind of intermingled with the negativity I already had and then built it bigger. Mm. So I think, you know, those times of self-doubt, They'll always be there. Those times of fears, those times, you know, and not everything's roses. So I guess in the in the scarier or the more um, serious artworks that I have, I think that's in there. But it's almost like it's trying to like leak out. You know, it's trying sure. to become something so that it doesn't have to hang out in my head anymore. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's great. You know, it's better to get them out. Yeah, and I like. I like the. The the using self doubt as fuel it reminds me of that um, analogy. Uh, oh Jesus, what I had it and then I lost it. Oh well, but using using that as fuel and actually giving it a place to to live and and provide benefit and even you know prosperity in your life is, I mean that's exceptional. That's uh, that's that's awesome. So. Good, good for you for Thank like being you. that present and self aware to like and to good do that for, you for making that leap. Oh. That's a terrifying leap, and I've struggled with the same thing like my entire life because I've only recently kind of figured out why, and I figured it out by living with my dad for a few months as an adult and mm-hmm. observing his behaviors as an adult and being really acutely aware of my own behaviors and everything. And one of the things I notice is that 
he, and this is some personal shit and I don't really care, but <laughs> because this might help other people. One of the things I notice is that he has a hard time with gratitude. He has a hard time being appreciative of something. He's always pointing out like what's wrong with it. Like if he gets food at a restaurant, it's like, man, it's fucking, it's too salty or blah, blah, blah. He's always got something negative to say. I'm just like, holy shit. How would a kid feel growing up around a guy like that? Like nothing is ever good enough. And I'm like, sure. oh my God, like that's why I believe that I just suck at every turn. And like, it's just. <laughs> oh, well, that'll do it. That'll absolutely Because well, your voice of self-doubt isn't yours. Exactly. Exactly. And this entire time, dude, I got a fucking master's degree basically to appease him. And that was, that was one of my breaking points is like that day that I got the degree and I'm like, wow. I am so far in debt right now and I don't give a fuck about this. Not at all. Not a, nothing. I didn't care about it at all. And then my dad was like trying to pick at me about what I'm going to do next. I'm like, you don't want to talk to me about that right now. You don't <laughs> I'm, looking talk at a, to I'm looking at a mountain of debt. Maybe yeah. can we talk about something else? Yeah, I'm looking at a mountain of debt and a bunch of really fucked up thoughts right now. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. And he kept picking at it. And then finally, I just laid it out on the table and uh, it wasn't pretty, but it got his attention. Um, but still, it's it, that that's what prevented me was my my own father's expectations about what I should be. And like I carried those for a long time and I suppressed my the creative side of my personality. I just try to cram it in there, just work as much as I can to pay the bills and then cram whatever creativity, having a band, doing whatever. And it just eventually something's got to give, you yep. know, something's got to go. Um, and I very recently decided that instead of doing the full time thing, I was kind of at a crossroads like a lot of people are with the whole COVID thing going on right now. It's yep. thinking, okay, I can, you know, try to get a full time job. Maybe I can get something remote and make enough money and do web design and all this stuff. And I actually was preparing for a web design job for four months. And I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm going to instead go the crazy route and try to at least prioritize creativity mm -hmm. instead of forcing it into the margins. This is, this is my priority. If I got to get some, you know, bullshit jobs to make it work for, for a while, that's fine. At least it's put in its proper context. Yep. At least the money making stuff isn't 100% of the focus and you're just cramming your soul into the fucking margins like everybody wants you to do. But I'm really happy that you made that leap because it shows in your artwork because you definitely blossomed when, when you, when you made that leap. And I, I remember you talking about it. Um, we were hanging out at Fountain Square Brewery and you, uh, you, you, you called it min maxing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect, uh, you get what you put into it. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. If you, you min max what you want to do, what do you want to do? Okay. Put the most time into that. Sure. It might take you longer for whatever reason than maybe somebody else, but if you can do it feasibly, mm -hmm. just do it. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say my life was like my life sucked for those three years, mm -hmm. but I was spending eight hours a day doing what I loved and putting all of that time into it. And I improved drastically in many ways. And it was a lot to learn, but it's so worth it. And it's yeah. so and it's all stuff that you get to learn firsthand. And that's so cool. You don't have to be taught by, you know some orientator or whatever. That's yeah. boring and stupid. You're learning only <laughs> practical. You're not learning algebra ever. You don't need to learn the stuff that you don't need to learn. Yeah. You're not wasting time on it. Yeah. And and can you explain to the audience and maybe Nick had a kind of confused look on his face when we were saying min-maxing. Do you know what we mean by that? Uh, I 
I mean, I, I can I can fill in some ideas based on on. Okay. I think it comes from video said, games. It's a, it? it's a video game RPG mechanic, and okay. so min maxing. Like for example, I'm a, a child, and I would use it in like um, you know like Pokemon or something. So you you want to min max. Depending on how what you're doing, obviously, if you want to be a well-rounded whatever you're doing, you know, don't do this on the macro level or on the micro level. Do it on the macro level. Do it on a large scale. What are you doing? What are you putting the most time in? And where do you want to be? If where you want to be is not matching with the putting the most time in, then you're not going to reach the level that you want to get to. Sure. You know, if, um, you know say a kid's home for summer break and he wants to get really good at guitar, but he really likes to play basketball and he's spending all day playing basketball and is playing the guitar for an hour a day. Well, that kid's not min-maxing. He's Mm. doing two different things, you know, and even if he's doing eight hours of both, he's going to be half as good at basketball or the guitar as he would be if he just played the guitar the whole time. So Mm. it really just depends on what you want to do. If you want to focus on one thing like I did, I'm just going to focus on that one thing. There's no reason to do the rest of it. I can do that later. Mm-hmm. Same thing very directly and literally applies to wanting to fit into a smaller pair of pants and eating cupcakes. Exactly. Spend <laughs> spend more time not eating cupcakes and you can fit into a small pair of pants. Wow. Who knew it was that simple? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Eat less, move more has always yeah. been the thing. I'm yeah. not going to say I'm not overweight, but I'm just Uh-oh, putting it out oops. there. Uh-oh. It was just a minor explosion. No need to worry. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, we're fine. Um, wow. God, I don't even know what to say now. I've hit a hit a wall. I've hit a hard wall in the conversation because of how how like heavy and like oh, <laughs> right in the real. This is all. Yeah, that's great. And that's I, perfect. I'm, I'm into it. I'm just so I'm so sucked into this, and I'm so thrilled to see more and more people just in life. And, you know, this being the first time I've met you, I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic about it. But but more people going towards what they've always been pulled to mm-hmm. and actually overcoming that fear and getting to a place to where they're not only sustaining their own existence with their own manifestation for whatever that means, whether you're, whether you're making pork snacks or art or music, Mm -hmm. but just getting to a place to where you're able to support your life of your own choosing in the manner that you choose in the, in the style and the timeline. And I mean, on your own terms, I think is a good way to look at it too. Mm -hmm. On your own terms. You decide. The more people that do that, the more people will do that. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason that I feel your presence here today is doubly important because, like, this is just the cutest shit ever. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's your life. Yeah. Like – it 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 makes me deeply emotional to think about it, and that's <laughs> fucking amazing to me. So, 
It's not thank, something. Thank you for doing what you do. You're welcome. I feel like I say that a lot on this show. Do I say that a lot, Ryan? I feel like I'm like I'm constant. <laughs> I'm constantly praising people. You can never just for doing what they can't help but do. You can never say thank you too much. I mean, there's True no that. there's no such thing as too much gratitude. Gratitude just improves your life in so many different ways. Yeah. When you just appreciate something that's good, you know that's. That's good. So say think, thank you more. I think for okay. somebody like we'll me, too, who I have been sitting in my house all quarantine, just mm-hmm. selling to people online, I don't get to talk to people anymore. I don't get to have those people yeah. come to my table and tell me how much they like my stuff. So it's like yeah. it's actually a breath of fresh air to yeah. hear somebody say like, oh, no, what you do is still good. You know, <laughs> like you're not just like sitting alone in your house compiling merchandise, you know, that'll never go anywhere. So it's feels good for somebody who especially has my own voice, uh, you know, maybe not my family's voice, but my own voice that, you know, tells me when I'm not good enough. So, Mm -hmm. and to maybe not always trust that voice. (laughs) (laughs) That voice is a lion ass motherfucker. About at least 50% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) At least 50. Oh man. Um, Also, for whatever it's worth, uh, I was raving to my children about the fact that that, that we were going to be speaking They're going to lose you. their shit when they see these. You, you understand? should have brought more stuff. Oh, no. dude. I didn't think – okay. I brought okay. the handful of stickers and I went, I should bring more stuff. And then I didn't – then I got distracted by the internet, you know? <laughs> yeah. Happens. No, that's totally cool. <laughs> but no, they, they, they all kind of went nuts over – I've got three little girls and the, the colors, the style, the – creepy nature of a lot of it that appealed to all of them because that is just them. They're like, they're like all little poisonous cupcakes, you know, like that's, perfect. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> Good. I'm glad there's more of them. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I've made a, a small army of snarky and, and shockingly tough and strong little, little, uh, future ladies. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they develop. <laughs> um, he has a video on his phone from a few Fridays ago where they were rap battling and yeah, they were freestyling. Yeah, in freest- character. yeah, in character from what what show was it again? Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. Oh my god. <laughs> that my, is so adorable. <laughs> yeah. My my youngest daughter, she's 7 years old. She's she's my like heavily creative kid she's she just can't help herself it's it's just in her and uh she she was she's always like interested in an opportunity because she's a big old sweetie pie but if there's an opportunity for her to play as being evil like and especially the more evil the better you know and so she she took a, a great opportunity to use a villain from a children's tv show to threaten the lives in, in the form of freestyle rap of uh, of her sisters. So perfect. Yeah, it was great. It was a good I love time. her already. Family bonding. Awesome. Get her into drama club immediately yeah, as oh, soon oh, as you yeah. possibly can. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, once they're able to go back to a physical school, then that'll be an option. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Never again. Yeah, I don't know how vir- virtual like Zoom based uh, theater companies are gonna. <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, even homeschool kids have drama club. They oh. they have oh. they tend to have like uh, especially with the internet now they have yeah, a yeah. lot of groups all over the country that will actually bring all the kids together for different clubs and stuff. Nice. So yeah. even in a post you know post normal classroom world, there's always room for for get-togethers. Presuming COVID is not part of the equation, obviously. Sure. Mm. 
I guess I should have assumed as much, right? Like, Yeah, I think, and it's actually in the last few years because of the internet, homeschooling is way more popular. And, yeah. you know, a, there's, a, I have some family that homeschools and those kids hang out with kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my oldest daughter, one of her best friends is a homeschooled kid. Yeah. And they just met through mutual friends and, yeah. A lot less weird than the homeschool kids I hung out with yeah, when I was in middle school. Yeah, the homeschool kids when I was growing up were super weird. There was always like 14 of them. And, like, <laughs> and, they, and they didn't know each other, but then they still got like hung out with each other. It's like, but you guys don't know each other. Oh, no. I'm, in my experience, they were all related. Oh, weird. Yeah, they were all siblings. Ooh, Ooh wild. The homeschool kids that I grew up with were uh, uh, strong Baptists. Ah. Hmm. Yeah. Fun at parties. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> snake parties? Ooh. Snake parties. Nah, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't the snake Baptists. The snake <laughs> no, not, not those type. I mean, yes, but like more like allegorically than uh, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just loving that phrase, snake party. That just sounds so good. Somehow a lot more tame than a lemon party. Yeah. Mm. It needs to be a band name, Snake Party. I think I looked this up recently. I think those snake parties are still legal in one county in the U.S. somewhere. Probably Texas. Probably. Mm. Or Oklahoma or something. Mm. But it was like one mm. county. And like 10 people have died from that church. And it's like, yeah, obviously. And they're just like, God, those people needed to die, yeah. I guess. It's like, you guys are bad at this. I think uh, I believe in freedom. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hold a snake. Just make sure the snake's got not getting hurt. I'm more worried about the snake's rights than the person holding it. But, hey, if you're holding it by your own free will. It would be fine if it was all adults holding snakes. Oh, uh, that's, that different. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. different. That's yeah. different. I mean, <laughs> Which is why beyond... it was not legalized and, like, illegalized in the first place. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board for that. You can't just hand yeah. a kid enough a snake. About, no. Enough about snakes. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love snakes. I got three of them. Got one right there. One. Where is it? Oh, God. Where'd he go? I don't remember where my snakes are. Where is it? Help me out here. Oh, there he is, oh, right there. Yeah. Ooh, and then a, I got a, a dangerous one looking boy. Nice. Yeah, see him. Viper. Got three. I uh, I'd love to see the like the Southern Baptist snake character that you create. <laughs> <laughs> Southern Baptist. That doesn't sound like snake. a fun kind of evil, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the comically evil is fun. That just sounds yeah. like. I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe so. Okay, so maybe he's like, maybe he's like a drunk country snake, you know, and he's being handled by all the like, all the creepy, you so know. So just a snake with a hat. Yeah, and like you know, and maybe like a maybe like a little bottle of like a jug of something. <laughs> Curl around a jug. Yeah, just like just a jug. So like you know, he doesn't mind that he's being handled by all these weirdos, and he's just. Having a good time. Maybe he enjoys it. <laughs> mm. I don't maybe, know about this character. Nick. Maybe it's more about the party for him. Less <laughs> about the, the God stuff. I'm back on board now that it's just yeah. a snake with the hat, though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> snake with the hat, you're sold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, sorry I took it there. That's that's. Okay. that's great. Do you have a backstory for all the little characters that you draw I as don't. you're drawing? Okay. Um, Sometimes, but most of the time I don't. The The Big Red Wolf one happened accidentally. I drew the design 
you, the first iteration of the design years ago and it was really popular and I wasn't happy with the design anymore. So I redid it and then I just tried to sort of put it in other merchandise because people got excited about it and people really liked it. I was like, okay, well now he has to be something, you know, if, if, if you draw something like three times, it's like in my head, it's like a rule, you know, you have to like, he has to be, have continuity now. So, but, um, and this character Hayden is just, because he's my logo, I felt like he needed more personality. And for like 10 minutes at the beginning of quarantine, I was like, I should do YouTube videos. And he was going to be a little character at the beginning who would yell my name. Like I would animate him yelling Mm -hmm. and that would be the intro of the video. Obviously that didn't happen. (laughs) Or at least it didn't happen yet, mostly because now my boyfriend works from home and I don't want to do the voiceovers because it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> what does what does Stabler Cake mean? Um, it's a non sequitur, really, but I came up with it. I was sitting watching some Law and Order SVU and there's a character on that show is Detective Stabler. <laughs> and uh, I was watching that and I was talking to a friend of mine online. And uh, I think it was somewhere in my college career. And I was eating leftover birthday cake. And so I was sitting on the couch and I was, she was like, what you doing? And I'm like, I'm watching, I'm watching, we called it just the Stabler show. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm watching Stabler eating some cake on the couch. And she was like, wow, two great tastes, that taste great together. And I was like, and then I put the words together and I was like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> and, you know, I Googled it just to see if like that was something, some sort of squish up that somebody already had for like a cake store or something, you know, somebody's last name in a cake store. Right. Mm. And it was infinitely Googleable. Nobody had that name. I was like, nobody can Google that. That's really cool. And I didn't like my name enough to make it my name. So plus it's really hard to say <laughs> for most people. Really? I never had a problem. When with you that. throw so many consonants into my last name yeah. and then people think there's an S on the end and it's just, it's hard. I can okay. see that. Yeah. I'd rather have something that's really phonetic and pretty easy. So. Staple cake. Mm-hmm. I love the story. And oh. my wife would approve. <laughs> and stable, uh, sta- huh. Stabler Cake. <laughs> That's your Instagram tag? That's your – is that Everywhere. your website? Uh, StablerCake.com is mine now, yeah. Technically, okay. it's mhodgkin.com. But okay. if you put in StablerCake.com, you'll make it there. Cool. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think I remember that from back in like the DeviantArt days. Does anybody still do DeviantArt? Is that a thing? I'm sure they do. Probably. Yeah, they, like I think a, they redid their UI recently and people were trying to get artists to go off Twitter and go on DeviantArt. I'm like, but DeviantArt still sucks. Like, <laughs> and, you know, Twitter's horrible too for other reasons, but it's better than, you know, it's better than DeviantArt. It's better than Tumblr. There's been a lot of jumps, you know, between websites. Twitter I've been on for the the last like five-ish years and that was kind of where I started to focus because that's where furries are and furries tend mm-hmm. to um, be really good about supporting their creators that are within the fandom. So that's kind of where I focus. I do more on Instagram now, now that I have a little bit more of like I'm understanding how to be more broad in my appeal. So I'm trying to like just push it in front of people who would like it even if they're not, you know, within the community. None of the stuff that I make is necessarily – Something that only furries can enjoy. You know, I don't I don't want it to be that way. You know, my dad thinks the big red wolf is funny. If my parents like it, then I know that it's going to work <laughs> is basically my my um, my metric, you know, for when I do something like I did face masks recently. Oh, yeah. And uh, strong um, pivot, by the way, yeah. that was 
That was a solid move for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was actually accidental. I was going to get them already in January. It wasn't something that I was thinking about. I had a friend who was already making them at a convention I was at in December and I was like, those look fun. And so, and I was, I make bandanas already that if you tie them around your face, you know, the, the mouth goes over your mouth. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's cool. It's like the next step in that evolution. Plus they're cheaper, you know, people can. And I had all these justifications in my head for buying this merch. This is what my brain goes through when I look for a new piece of merch. And so I sort of put in the quote tentatively in January. But I didn't have any designs yet. I hadn't made them yet. It wasn't something that I was really thinking about because because of COVID and because all of those conventions were canceling. I'm like, I can't put a bunch of money into merch if nobody's going to buy it. Not thinking, you know, that those two things could be related, you know, the the masks and this. And so once end of February, once everything started shutting down, once everybody was starting to wear the mask, not mandated yet, but started to wear them, I was like, oh, wait, no, go back. Where's that quote? (laughs) (laughs) So I went and found them and I was like, wait, I need these like now. Yeah. (laughs) And when I put them up for sale, uh, normally when I put up a pre-order, for example, like for a t-shirt, a t-shirt's $25. Normally I'll put up a t-shirt. If it's wildly successful, I'll get like 40, which is like, that's really good. That's really cool. Uh, the last time I did one that, um, blew out of the water was like 60. It was like, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe I got 60, you know? And that was over like a week. And I put up those masks and within, I think 50 minutes, they were gone. Mm-hmm. The, the, I put about half the stock. I had already ordered them. So I was just putting up pre-orders because I needed money. And so I had put up all the – put half of them up. And so it was – here's 50. You know, here's 50 of the masks that I ordered. And they went <laughs> under an hour and I went, oh, crap, I didn't order enough. <laughs> and so I went back to her and I was like, I know you already started. Can we double it? And, and so I ended up doubling that order and then those nice. went really fast. And so now I've just been trying to – chase myself and I recently had a had a pre-order that finished and that was a little bit you know calmed down which less money sad I guess but I'm glad I can keep up now (laughs) that's excellent yeah it's a good problem to have yeah and then after two rounds of masks I had already ordered two big bulk orders like this is already four orders in I had two pre-orders done and two regular orders I was already done with that I'd made thousands of dollars off these masks that were the only thing keeping me afloat through COVID and my dad texts me and goes, you should do masks. <laughs> like, thanks, Pops. Appreciate you. Way ahead of you. Yep. It's amazing. He doesn't have Instagram, so I forgive him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so one one thing that we always – and I mean we've we've kind of touched a bit on your process, right, in terms of how some of these things have come to be um, in terms of, uh, you know – operating essentially the business based off of your artwork. Mm-hmm. How, how in terms of the actual creation of artwork, do you feel at all like, like having a business has affected that creation? I think, and this is especially for me and not a general rule, but I have a problem where I wonder what people want to sure. see. And I'm sure that happens to people even who aren't, in a business they just want to get likes on instagram or whatever Mm -hmm. because i know people say like oh the likes aren't important they are it's fine it's not important in the grand scheme of things but it feels good you know that's that's it it just feels good and sometimes it can get further you know from those but in general 
it does feel really good. So it's nice to feel good. Yeah. <laughs> so you you kind of just try to wonder like, well, what do people want to see? What does the algorithm want to see? What is, you know, how do I post it? When do I post it? Things like that. And and I think some of those things are definitely important. You know, the when to post it thing, especially if it's like something that you're putting up for sale. There are people who want to buy it. They just don't know because they haven't seen it. So you want to get them to see it. Sure. But um, I, I think that stymies me a lot. I sit in front of a blank canvas. And I'm like, what do people want to see? And then... I haven't quite broken out of it, but I'm trying to start draw, drawing things that I don't post, trying to have creative outlets that I'm not using as a performance. So, you know, I think I'm not the best person to ask about how to not feel that way because I just do. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But um, just finding an outlet for yourself that's not only not purely creative necessarily but a creative outlet that you're not posting or a creative outlet that you're doing for you or that you're doing for you and your friends i just picked up um miniature model painting recently and the only people i really share that with are like my friends who are going to play so you know it's not something for the internet plus play. they're very like D D or like nice. um the most people do like warhammer but that's like that's weird boy crap. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bunch of numbers and math and stuff. And I'm like, no, I won't play the game where you where you murder the man with the the, the sword. That's good. I like that one. <laughs> so, all right. Well, and not to like derail the train too too far. We can definitely get get back to the important subject matter. But since you brought it up, uh, <laughs> what do you play, and how long you been playing? So I've been playing on and off. Like, I don't play that often. I want to play more. The problem is finding the DM. And so unfortunately, that means I'm the DM, which Mm -hmm. is fine. I can write it and I can do it. It's just really hard. And so putting that much time into something, I don't know, it's just a lot sometimes. And, And I really like to play and I really like to have, you know, my characters go through all my cool stuff. And like, I have all these ideas for this and that and the other. And then you don't really... You know, some sometimes the game will go in a direction that you didn't expect, and then half of your work is not used. And so you're like, but I had this cool thing that you guys could have stumbled on, but you just brute forced through the wall. <laughs> and the you don't DM's want, lament. Yeah, you don't want to railroad them. You don't want to say that, like, no, you can't break the wall. Like, obviously, you can break the wall, but, you know, I don't know. It's it's Strength check. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> Unfortunately, when you're playing with people who have really lucky dice. But um, and and my friends are usually pretty good. They tend to like go through the paths that I want them to. But it's also hard to not play in person, especially these days. So, you know, I want I want to play with them. I want to play with these new miniatures that I have, but I can't have a party. So mm. there are some some impressively good uh, like free online Platforms. I used I used uh, Roll Twenty. Yeah, I yeah. used Roll Twenty, and I had like I had my whole thing. We went through like a few um, different dungeons and stuff like that, and then we had a falling out in the friend group, so <laughs> we stopped. <laughs> but I we want to pick that back up, and I will still be the DM. I just really would rather play. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The last time I played, I was a druid, and I yeah. had I did the whole wild shape. You know, I wasn't a healing druid. I was wild shaped druid, and uh, he was a bugbear. Nice. His name was Archie, and he was like a Boy Scout leader. He had his little pack of first aid and, you know, always be prepared. <laughs> Played with a bugbear in my last campaign. It was great. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, most of this is flying right away. <laughs> I, I'm, right, I'm right. following. I'm following, but yeah, I haven't played D and D before. Oh, it's I, fun. Like I, I think I think part of me knows that I like it too much, and uh, it's just been avoiding it. But it's fine. See, yeah. I, that's my my DM group is great. You can you can join as soon as this campaign is over. But we play every other week. Ah, oh, see, One that's night, a good schedule. That's yeah. every other week. Yeah, it's always fun yeah. to look forward to. And when you're a player, you don't really have to do anything to prepare. Yeah. I mean, you have to prepare the character, I guess, but you can have people help you, you know. I mean, you can spend 30 hours like digging into deep rules and like your own characters like lore or whatever. But you can also just like build something in 15 minutes, give it a name and invent the backstory as you go. Like, yeah, it's I feel like it's more fun that way, too. It ends up being more creative because oh, I, yeah. I started with this. The bugbear character I had, he started as like a Chucky Finster type. He was afraid of everything. <laughs> and then I was like, it doesn't work in this world where he has to go fight stuff. So I made him more like, you know, survivalist preparedness. So sometimes you just you don't end up doing what you initially did anyway. And nobody will, rem- will remember. You'll just be like, just forget that. And then they yeah. will. <laughs> yeah. that character evolution is a great a great time, too. Like, for example, my current character in, in our current campaign, um, a high elf paladin. Uh, he is a, a bounty hunter um, and uh, particularly waging war against the undead. But just so happened to take a drink from a magical fountain that rolled like a like a D100 um, list of like random effects and is now potentially permanently a woman, uh, which was a bit of a shock for him. Um, I'm sure. He struggled a bit with uh, with just, just coping with that. Um, but now she has finally um, – kind of come to terms with it and is and is beginning to come into her own as a, as a woman and is really really what owning a beautiful it. story <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she, she's uh, she's 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 full of inner power that she has just begun to tap into so we'll see we'll see where that goes i believe in her it's a wild ride meanwhile everyone else in the party is conspiring to get me pregnant so oh no <laughs> Whoa, um, <laughs> jesus yeah See, this is how D and D works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best kind of metagaming. <laughs> I guess I gotta try it sometime. Yeah. I don't. I don't know, but you'd, you'd, you'd enjoy it. I, I vaguely understand the game, but from what I understand, it also seems like you'd be a great DM too. So, I mean, yeah, see, you want to be a player and kind of kick back a little bit, and you know, not have such an active experience like orchestrating everything. But I also like. I see your mind as being a really good playground for something like that. Yeah. It, the first campaign I ever did was a cat palace on a <laughs> sandy cliff. It just was like, this was big. Like, I didn't go for the goblin cave thing. You know, it was a sandy cliff on this shore and it was just populated by cats and they had to like save the day and whatever. But none of that was that interesting. But at the end, you find out that the sandcastle is just made of like cat pee sand <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that they have formed after out of the clumpy sand. <laughs> I don't know. That's it was an entire the, campaign. The what you got. Yeah, yeah. it was a, like an it. entire campaign made on a joke that I thought was funny. <laughs> Nobody else thought it was as funny as I did. You, you need better friends. That's nonsense. That's fucking awesome. I think one of them did. The problem with being a DM is there's there's combat D&D and then there's story D&D and if you have a group that doesn't agree which one is more fun it's hard to play sure so hmm. anyway that's not what this podcast is about <laughs> that's alright that's a fun five minute uh, you know meandering though we can always change the name <laughs> you know, it's not too late 
there's no rules. The Adventure Zone 2, the sequel. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely, uh, definitely interested if, you know, if we want to branch off into a little into a little bi-weekly game at some point, though. Uh, I feel yeah. like that'd be a great time. Get, get Brandon DM for us. So Mallory gets a chance to play. He Perfect. Could, uh, yeah, he's, he, he's definitely more the, the, the God type anyway. Yeah, he wants to. He, he would rather control the world than participate. In it. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. With love and respect. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, so, your art sustains your life. You've made masks. You've weathered the storm up to this point. You've managed to find like prosperity in a. Or at least you know some enough enough to keep you going, you know, mm-hmm. while while a lot is happening, which is which is also crazy, right? Like, who to thunk you can you can have a life as an artist at a time when places like restaurants and 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 other you know local businesses are forced to close yeah. down. Like, I was I was terrified, honestly. Oh, sure. I mean, hearing and I lived at. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the local artist colony. It's on 14th Street. Okay. It's a six-story building. It's it's discounted for for artists to live there. You have to show your portfolio and then they're like, yeah, you're an artist. Okay, nice. you can rent here. So I lived there for like five years or so and we just outgrew it um, both in terms of stuff and in terms of the the amount of money that we had available and just – with fed upness, you know, when you have when you have a cheap place like that, there's a lot of consolations you have to make. And so and I was fine with those consolations for a really long time. And then I was like, you know what, I'm 33. You know, I'm I'm kind of done with this dorm life kind of thing. And so right as COVID was kind of coming in at the sort of end of January, beginning of February, I was looking around. And I'm like, I will not weather COVID downtown in a dorm style apartment Ooh, yeah. with one elevator. Yeah. No. Smart. No. No. I'm sorry. I will not be doing this. And so I kind of leapt onto um, Zillow and I was like, we're moving. (laughs) (laughs) We're moving now. So, and we did. But um, right when all that was happening, I'm just watching my, you know, moving costs money. So I'm watching my bank account go down and it's not going back up because I haven't had a convention. And the last convention I had, it was great. You know, I had a great convention the last one I had, but it was in January. And now the one I had in um, – there was one I had in February. I just couldn't make it because of moving stuff. And it wouldn't have going to be that big a one anyway. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the future. I'm like, okay, I have this one in April. That one will pay for all of these expenses that I'm putting on cards. And – it canceled, you know, in early March. And then the one in May canceled. And then the one in July canceled. And then the one two in August canceled. And then now October is done. December already is already canceled. So I'm like, okay, that's it. And, you know, I didn't, I tended to keep my Etsy closed because inventory, my inventory is bad. I'm going to admit that live on radio. Like Mm -hmm. I don't do well with my inventory. I need to be better about it. But you have to count your inventory after every time you come back from a con. Annoying, but, you know, I get it. It exists in the world. I have to count it. So um, so I'd keep my store closed so I didn't have to count it. So I'm looking at old store numbers, obviously, from when a time when I'm not making any money. And I'm like, I just assume nobody buys stuff online, not thinking, if the store's open, people will buy things. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> if you close the store, nobody can buy anything. That's how it works. And so um, – and 
without the mess, I think I would be struggling a lot more. I probably would have had to go find something. I would have had to have had a part-time something or other, but at least the rest of it would have been enough for me to put part-time. I wouldn't be not be feeding myself. I'd just be also working at the Circle K, um, which I'm not mad about, you know, anymore. I think if you had asked me, you know, before I've had that drop, like how that would be, I'd be like, oh, I failed. You know, I failed because I got that job at the Circle K. I'm like, yeah, but it's still money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's fine. You know, you're putting a Band-Aid on a wound that will go away. And so, um, but once the mask came in, I'm like, oh, thank God, I can actually sustain myself and I can actually thrive a little bit. I can, I can grow a, my home business, which was something I was not focusing on. So I'm trying to look at the silver lining. You know, I didn't put any time into my Etsy last year at all. I just put stuff on there for people who couldn't come to the cons because I was spending so much time focusing on cons because I had 12 of them to do a year. But this year has just been, you're at home. What can you do from home? I've learned so much this year just in that, like, just in that time, um, in this quarantine timeline. Like, I've learned so much about Etsy. I've learned about postal systems. I've learned about how long things take. I've learned about, my goodness, just, like, ordering stuff. Even though I'd, I'd ordered stuff before, but you just learn a little bit more every time you order something. It's just, like, little things, um, especially when you're ordering from overseas with that, like, language barrier and stuff like that. Mm. So it's just a whole new learning opportunity that I was terrified I was going to just, I guess, just stop working. <laughs> it's like, like, I'm afraid, like, my arms will just fall off. And it's like, well, now you can't work. Now what are you going to do with your $5? I'm like, well. <laughs> it's also nice to see you using that that min-max approach, like, to to other places, too, because that definitely seems like another example of that. Yeah, I definitely min-maxed into conventions because that's where the money was. And so obviously I'm going to put more time into the money mm-hmm. when in conventions exist. And so – but this year can't do that. So let's min-max into something you can do. Mm-hmm. And so – and when you put your – you don't half-ass it. You put your whole ass into it and then your whole ass learns a whole bunch of shit and then that you can use later to then half-ass it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean it's definitely going to prepare you a lot better. I mean for when things do start co- opening up, if they do, if it just doesn't go completely to shit after this. But once conventions start coming back, you've got all this experience that you wouldn't have had otherwise. You yeah. Know? I'm actually – I'm learning now that what I need to do is do an overall inventory so that I don't have to count it when I get back. If I mm. know how many there are and I count it as people buy it, then I don't have to count it when I get home. Yeah. Like it takes two seconds. <laughs> I was just Systematize lazy. It. I was just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I got stuck for a second, Ryan, I have to admit. Uh, What's up? There was talk of half-ass, whole-ass, open it up and shit, like in a very compressed <laughs> amount of time. And I, you you caught me. Like I was like, uh, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Because um, I wanted to just interrupt like real, real hard. <laughs> anyway. Thank you, thank you Nick. <laughs> so go back, listen to that part, and then laugh yeah. about what he's laughing yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Just hit um, the back arrow a couple times and they'll yeah. put you back 20 seconds and you're good to go. So in terms of art, you're – okay, currently your income definitely coming in for masks still. Yep. Otherwise, is it is it prints that you're mostly selling to people? Prints are actually one of my lowest sellers. Really? Um, mm. The people who buy them really like them. So sure. of course I still want to make them. And I really like prints. So mm. that's a big thing for me is if I'm going to like it and I'm going to use it, then I'm going to make it. If I'm not going to use it, I'm not going to make it. That's dumb. You know, I, even if somebody 
you know, I, I there's a lot of call for one thing or the other. But if it's something that I'm not interested in, then I don't want to design for it. You know, bandanas are cool. I like tacking them up on the wall. They look really cool. But, you know, if I, I'm trying to think of something that I wouldn't make, um, I'm sure there's stuff out there that I wouldn't make. But, <laughs> like, it just is not that interesting to me. You know, if it's not interesting to me, then I don't care. Like, uh, postcards, you know, mini prints is mm-hmm. what no- normally people will put them out on con tables be like, oh, a mini prints $5. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to buy it. Nobody's going to buy it. What's the point? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do big prints. If you like prints, you'll buy the big one. If you buy, if you like prints, you're not going to buy the little one. You're going to buy the big one anyway. So why am sure. I wasting my money? Yeah. Excuse me. Um, and so the prints don't sell too much. I would say it's mostly apparel and masks right now. In terms of the sales that I had before I had masks, it was bandanas, apparel. Um, people love lanyards the mm. for like especially at conventions because sure. you can put your badge on them. There's a lot of people out there who will buy one from a table at every con they go to. So sometimes that one's me. Um, nice. Cool. Uh, I have these like elastic wristbands. Those go like crazy stickers. People love stickers. It's a cheap thing. They can get a cheap souvenir that's high quality, you know, and I I don't sell anything that's not high quality. If something comes in and it's not a quality that I would use, I won't sell it. So, um, and shoot, what else do I sell? I have a lot. I don't remember. Um, pins sell pretty well. Enamel pins, the, the metal enamel pins, those Mm, are huge in, in cons right now. Um, and then things that sell less like. I have plastic acrylic keychains. They're like mm-hmm. see-through. Oh, I have one in my pocket, actually. Like a theme park style? It's like... Oh, oh nice. Cute. Yes. That's cool. So, And they're cool, but they're really niche. You know, you only have yeah. one set of keys. The nice thing about masks or bandanas or the things I sell a lot of, like lanyards, for example, those are things that people want multiples of. Right. So when I made hoodies once, how many hoodies do you have? Like three? Tops? Maybe, About, unless you're really yeah. into them. Yeah. I think I have four, you know, yeah. people don't have, and I have 30 shirts, you know, people don't have the same amount of shirts as they do hoodies. So hoodies aren't going to sell as well. Sure. You yeah. kind of have to like think through the customer's brain, mm. I guess, like <laughs> before, or at least I like, I like to, I like to think like, well, I'm the customer. What do I like? What do yeah. I need? What do I need multiples of, especially multiples being the key. It's harder to sell something if somebody is only using one. Yeah, I mean, you could just like crunch raw data, analyze that and like use that to influence your business. But if you actually give a shit, you're probably going to take those extra steps to actually consider what's what's happening, not just for your own benefit, but so it's a good like matchup of things. Yeah. And I think – Sorry. um, I think especially right now too is I'm trying to look at like what people want where they're at. And I was actually putting less time into apparel because I was like, well, nobody's going anywhere. Nobody's impressing anybody. But apparel's actually doing really well. So, you know, sometimes it surprises you, but otherwise. Um, sorry, I interrupted you. What were you going to no, say? No, no. I, I was just going to say, yeah, if it's, you know, if it's a hoodie, because that's not like a, like a high quantity item in like a person's wardrobe, you would probably want it to be like a, a really, really excellent hoodie. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of noise there. It comes with the higher price tags. There's a lot more to consider. Yeah, and to make it really excellent, it's first of all going to cost me more, mm-hmm. and then it's going to cost them more. Right. And so they're actually less likely to buy it, even if it's excellent. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, you're trying to juggle those things. And and design, obviously, also makes a difference. If you don't sure. like the design on a T-shirt, you're not going to buy it. You yeah. know, I, I have, obviously, I have designs of things that will sell more of a certain design than another. That's 
that's just how it works. And then you just learn from that. You reprint the one that was doing really well and you don't reprint the one that wasn't. So where where has all that led you to currently with in terms of both uh, like original content creation and also marketable products like what's what's coming up on the horizon for you like what are you working on uh right now i actually like just threw a bunch of merchandise spaghetti ideas at a wall and i just want to see i just want to see what sticks sure. a lot of cheap stuff i'm doing um wallets um i'm just getting a few to see if people like them sure. see if they're good and then you know i'll get more if people like them but again wallets is one of those things you only have one of so i right. kind of want to test those waters first um and then I was doing, oh, what are they called? Net gaiters? Those things that like you can pull oh, up yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. over your face. Now, they're not, they're not COVID safe at all. I just want one because I want one to mow the lawn. <laughs> so Winter is coming. And winter is coming. And I've had many times where I'm like, my nose is freezing. <laughs> so, um, so having, I mean, you know, it was, again, it's a small order to see if it's something that people actually want and um and then i'll go from there but that's kind of where i'm at i'm sort of just testing waters i'm buying uh, new designs of lanyards soon because i'm almost out um not a lot of stuff that i haven't tried yet i guess i tried flasks once um those did pretty well i just haven't gotten them again they're bulky so and they're loud (laughs) they just clang together so um and i just haven't done those again yet i will someday but uh yeah, there's a lot of things I've gotten quotes for. Hats was one of them. Um, they're just really expensive. Mm. But one day I will do hats. I need some hats. <laughs> I need a need a few hats. We we know a guy. We know a guy that uh, that does that does hats and does custom embroidery and such. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk to him sometime. Maybe. Maybe he's got to say yes first. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm going to get my hats from. Mallory Hodgkin. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have so many. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd take a hat. What about, uh, what about like 3D renderings? Like a, like I would an love action to make, figure, a little statue. Yeah, I would love to make a little toy or something. They, um, I need to learn ZBrush one day so that I can sculpt it myself because I don't mm. trust anybody else. <laughs> what is ZBrush? It's a sculpting program. Um, it's, I think it's more like clay sculpting than like say blender blender is another like it's a 3d modeling program is blender okay. and so you can like rig for animation in blender but in zbrush you just have a stationary object i think you know correct me in the comments if i'm wrong i guess yeah. but um from what i understand a lot of people who make like minis for example mm-hmm. will use zbrush and so i was like well that could be fun and there are places out there that will resin print a print for you if like if you just pay them to do it. like they have a printer and they're like give us your file we'll print your thing and send it to you so you know i don't know maybe someday i can get a, a cool little figure out there that'd be awesome yeah but i haven't haven't made that leap yet <laughs> <laughs> i would imagine that it's probably the type of thing that if someone were motivated enough and they wanted it you could probably deliver some sort of like digitized file for one of those places to print, right? Like, I'm sure I could, I could just pay somebody to model it too. Like, I could make them a turnaround and they could model it for me. I just think it'd be interesting to learn how sure. to do it. Although, to get something in my hands, it would probably be a lot faster for me to just hire somebody. It probably wouldn't be super expensive since I already have the art made. They don't have to do that part. Probably like a couple hundred bucks or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, essentially, just like. 
giving dimension to something you've already created, right? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah, I'd love one. <laughs> well, when I make them, you, you'll have the first one. <laughs> yes. And yes. if you make any form of a clown, oh. you will make this guy's oh. whole universe. He's... Sorry, clowns kind of freak me out. Oh, okay. <laughs> really well, you're not welcome in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't. It's not like a phobia. It's just like, it's not my favorite. Yeah. I, I'm not like Bart in the clown bed. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's very much a thing for me. Um, I don't really understand it, uh, where it comes from, but I've had it my whole life and my clown collection is by some people's standards impressive and by others completely mortifying. So that's okay. We all have something. Yeah. I've got some great vintage clown action going on. That's pretty awesome, though. Yeah. But I mean, when you're, I don't know, when somebody's really passionate about something like that, it's really exciting. Like, I like, I like critters. You know, I like animals. I have every sculptural item I have around my desk is an animal of some kind. Most of them are pushing the cat, you know. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it's just it's just all animals. They're just more interesting to me. They come in funny shapes. Yeah. You know, they look weird. Like, <laughs> it's like I see people every day. It's like, look at that thing. It's a dog. It looks really weird. Look at him. His nose is real long. What an idiot. <laughs> and, and when you can, like, twist the colors in a million crazy directions and, like, Give him a fun little, I don't know, bicycler cap. I don't know what you what you. Yeah, what you it's a little it. flippy cap. Yeah. I don't. I I don't know what that's called, but you know, it's a thing. It's definitely <laughs> yeah, it's something. Those yeah. little hats with the little tiny brim. <laughs> but no, it's it's amazing. I love it. The the colors blow me away in your work. Like I don't know how you go about your decision making process of choosing colors, but they're always just. They they pop so much and they're they're always contrasting in really interesting ways and but they, they work as well they work that's yeah. what I'm saying like how how do you go how do you go about choosing colors is it kind of a is it sort of a sometimes uh, I intuitive thing at this point yeah sometimes I fall into it I would say it's more intuitive now than it used to be mm-hmm. um, when I was in college I took one color theory course and I will tout that course as being the most useful course that I have ever taken in oh, wow. in college. And that was my sophomore year. It was like a foundations class. It was something that people hated taking. You know, they're like, I don't need this. I know what colors look like. And I'm like, no, I don't know what colors look like. Help me, (laughs) please. And so, you know, going through that course and obviously college helped me a lot, but that's the King course. It's the one that I use every day. You know, when you can, when your brain can show you the color wheel without you having to look it up, it's so handy. And there's, you know, there's a lot of times that I'll look up colors too. But, you know, when you're just out and about and you're like, what colors do I like together? This, this, this. And then you put them together and you're like, oh, it doesn't really work. What would what would happen if I made this purple warmer or I made this, you know, green cooler, you know, that, things like that. And then you have cool bias green and warm bias greens. And then once you figure out how the color wheel works in sequence and what colors – Oh my God, this is really actually like, this is a lot and I'm sorry, but this is a lot of, this is a lot of inside baseball, but like, um, so you have all of the different color wheels have different, or not color wheels, all the colors have different tones on the color wheel. So if you had a color wheel and you put it into black and white, they all have different tones, Mm. which also means that there's a cool trick to shading, which you can just use colors and they teach you a lot that, a lot of that in your fine arts courses too, you know, you shade people with blue in the dark areas and then yellow in the lighter areas so that it, you know, it looks more natural or whatever. Um, And 
in my artwork, you know, if I have something that is supposed to be pink, say the local color, like the burgundy of that chair is pink, I will shade it with the purple hmm. so that it looks darker because purple has blue in it. Blue is darker than pink on in a terms of a like turning the color wheel black and white. It looks darker, even though it's just a different color. Blue tends to actually look darker than purple, depending on what your tone of purple looks like. Red always looks darker than yellow and orange and will often look darker than pink. You can shade pink with red, um, like the fuchsia magenta, I mean, not like light red. <coughs> and uh, green's a hard one. Green you can highlight with yellow or darken with blue. Sometimes when you darken it with blue, it turns into cyan. It's weird. Green's weird. Hmm. Yellow is Yellow and orange are really easy. So orange, you just highlight with yellow and darken with red. It's there's mm. parts of the color wheel that work really easily. And then like sometimes in the blues and stuff, that's why I, so, so much of my work has a lot of warm colors in it. They're so much easier to work with, with each other. Cause you can make the eye go through those parts of the shading without using white or black. Cause I don't like using white or black. I put the saturation all the way up and see what I can do. Nice. Oh, I can definitely tell. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Poor that, Joey would be so lost right now. <laughs> Poor Joey. <laughs> Joey was our uh, episode eight. Episode, episode eight. eight. Joey um, Edwards. He he's colorblind. And, oh no! Um, but he makes these. Uh, <laughs> he makes these super rad like um, uh, wire sculptures yeah. and Very like creepy. photorealistic pumpkin carvings. Whoa! And, yeah, that's he's, awesome. He's, he's a badass. Awesome. But um, but as he said on the show, he he doesn't see him black and white. But he did say fuck purple. I mean, <laughs> specifically, he said fuck purple. But yeah. I found out recently that I'm colorblind too. Um, which one is it? Dutan? Uh, severe? I think was it more thing. Oh, that's. I had no idea my entire life. I so did, what colors have you been missing? Uh, well, I'm not really missing anything, but red and green. I get. Those oh, so you're confused. the red green. Yeah. Okay. One of them. There's apparently a, a bunch of them. I don't know much about all of them, but I will say I used to have a um, a dull red frisbee that I played disc golf with. Um, disc, I guess. Uh, and I would walk past that fucking thing all the time. I'd walk, where the fuck is it? And when somebody points it out to me, I'm like, oh, of course, right there, because red and green are very different colors. Like, I can look at red and look at green. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why the fuck I would ever confuse that. But apparently, severe means severe. So I'm, I'm just going to take the website's work for it. So one of these days, so, I want to get So those. you can, if you have a red and green thing, yeah. you can tell the difference. Yeah, but if they're in my peripherals, then they start oh. getting confused. So Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that that was a thing. I thought it was everywhere in your vision. I, I would assume I so. I learned something new today. Yeah. like I Well, don't, dude, don't take my <laughs> word for it. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. Just, I, uh, I had a friend who her dad was shade blind. Which hmm. I didn't know was a thing until I met I her. I had no idea. Never heard he that. can see pure colors if they're saturated enough, but the pure colors like like this green and this light, or just even these two greens on this thing. So it's it's a light green and a darker green. Mm -hmm. They'd look the same to him. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. these stripes in here, he wouldn't be able to see them. Oh, okay. I do. I have an issue with darker colors, um, particularly like green, purple, and blue. If they're like anything darker than like a like a hunter green, hmm. I might confuse it for a blue or even a purple at times. I feel like unless I'm also colorblind, I feel like that's pretty normal. Okay. Once oh, you okay. once Good. you put enough black into those dark side of the color wheel, mm -hmm. they kind of 
mush, sure. you know, mm-hmm. especially not purple as much, but green and blue, definitely. They end up in this like weird, dark teal arrangement, especially if you're using paint. And it's like, I don't know what's going on here. It's why you always only use hypersaturation. It's like it's all the way saturated and we're not playing because <laughs> like I don't want to have anybody be like, well, what part of that is that? You know, another thing I learned in school was. I want something to read immediately, you know, Mm. like you're reading a book or like you're reading a word. I don't want you to be confused and be like, well, I'm trying to read heavy metal text and I don't know what, you know, you don't know what half those logos say. Yeah. Excuse me. But I want, I want people to read my illustrations as fast as possible. I want them to get it. I want them to know whether or not they like it and either get excited about it and buy it or just walk away because I don't need them to waste my time staring at it. (laughs) It it is very immediately delightful. Like it's, it is, it is a, a fast, like it's a fast processing period of like, hell yeah, I'm on board with this. So (laughs) I think, I think that's, I, I I love that you just said that because it very much is. Good. Perfect. I just don't want to waste anybody's time. (laughs) I'm going to waste everyone's time. If uh, if Hayden here were on a box of breakfast cereal, <laughs> what Ooh. type of cereal would that be? Oh, um, man. That's a to, to whatever degree of detail you'd like to express. Oh, okay, so Count Chocula, obviously, but so you you're aware of the peripherals of Count Chocula, though the Boo Berries oh, and, and the, the Franken Berries. Oh yeah, of course. So yeah. this would be not a strawberry or blueberry version. This would be a lime version. <laughs> Of a booberry style cereal with marshmallow, but you have like the tasty lime creamy flavors. It's like a key lime pie in a bowl. Oh. I just invented cereal. Somebody invent that and mail it to me, please. <laughs> I, I'm upset that it doesn't already exist. That's, lime cereal would just like it sounds really good. satisfy every part of what's wrong yeah. with me. And it would go well with milk and everything. So, yeah. It's awesome. As long as Well, now it's going to say as long as there's no real lime, but lime doesn't curdle milk, I don't think. Uh-huh. No, it shouldn't. In that context. Or at least not not in fake lime, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, like, most of the flavor profile of, like, uh, Fruity Pebbles and Fruit Loops is, like, lemon, like, artificial lemon flavoring. That's true. So yeah. So it would be... Artificial lime would be just fine. It would be ultra sugar, but... <laughs> yeah. And mildly tropical. <laughs> tropical. There you go. I fuck with that. Man, you guys are making me miss cereal right now. I know. I haven't t- eaten cereal in so long. I haven't had cereal in... Oh, probably 10 years. Yeah. We don't have, we just don't keep cereal in the house. Same. (laughs) I keep cereal in the house. You have children. (laughs) (laughs) You have to. That's a rule. (laughs) Right. You can't, you can't deprive a child. Oh, I love cookie crisp though. (laughs) Cookie crisp, cocoa puffs. Count Chocula. All oh, that bullshit. Cinnamon all Toast Crunch. Yeah. Oh. Dude, you you just it's named just off all worst. my favorites right there. They're so How'd you know? Because <laughs> they're the best ones. <laughs> Nothing will make you feel disgusting faster than like that second bowl of cereal. Like, oh. it's just... See, that's why you just get one really big bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, I never had a problem with like the second or third or fourth. You just keep going. I just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've always had a problem with my weight, so you know, cereal was one of those things that was easy to to write off, run away yeah. from. Yeah. yeah, doesn't really bring much to the equation, but goddamn, if it isn't fun. Yeah, it's two hundred calories in the morning of sugar that I don't need. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, sugar that doesn't really do anything. This yeah, it makes me really nowhere. fast and really hungry at ten a.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as you run around the block immediately three times, you know, it's fine. Yeah, after I guess a that's bowl true. of cereal, that's going to feel fucking great. But you have to do it <laughs> screaming. You have to run around the block screaming. Like this. Yeah. yeah. 
I, if I didn't know better, I'd almost accuse him of like being really interested in uh in, in things that make him go faster. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say no. He does work at a liquor store. I'm sure he's got access to more than just liquor. So, <laughs> so on uh, on uh, Hayden Hayden Berry Crunch, uh, some of those crystals might be a little suspect, right? Not just sugar. Just eat them. It's fine. Yeah, just roll with it. <laughs> just roll with it. <laughs> Is that the tagline? I guess. I it just came out of me. I had to had to had to let it out. Well, there it is. Yep. That was easy. <laughs> Make it cereals easy. Yeah. I don't know what, what Kellogg's complaining about. I know. We did it by accident, bitches. What are you doing? I haven't yeah. seen a new cereal in a while. I haven't paid attention to it. But I was gonna either. say, have you been paying attention Not to cereal? Yeah. Nope. Okay. But okay. I also don't Not I don't I don't have conventional TV, so I don't have commercials either. Yep. So Same. I don't know if there's new uh, cereal. Hmm. They're they're Definitely is new cereal. I don't I don't see any other commercials for it either, but it definitely exists in the cereal aisle. Okay. Oh. Yep. SpongeBob cereal definitely has oh, been a thing. I didn't think about that. I'm sure there is a lot of licensed Just cereal. Just a ton. Oh, yeah. Like every yeah. single thing that like Disney creates, you might not find it in like every grocery store, but you'll there find is, it at the Walmart. Like, a super sugar, <laughs> oh, yeah. like bullshit ass cereal that correlates to it. It's ugly mm. it's a rough world out there licensure is, is is a i don't know it's a pet peeve for me just when things that are licensed that shouldn't be you know it doesn't like like it like if i actually made a breakfast like if i got i don't know huge or something with like and disney was like let's make your stupid alien cartoon <laughs> and i would and they were like let's make a cereal i'd be like absolutely not what are you talking about we are not making a cereal make something useful why are we making food <laughs> Could see some fun fruit snacks. Fruit snacks are acceptable. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. it's not a meal. You're not feeding it to a child as a meal. It is yeah. a small snack. That's fair. Also, the SpongeBob fruit snacks kind of slap. So, <laughs> <laughs> covering my bases. You can make food. It just has to be like tiny food that's crappy and not real. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Ryan's brother and I actually have a a, a small. Um, snack food business uh, that flies a bit askew of what's um, generally deemed uh, appropriate or acceptable dietarily. Uh, they're called Dastardly Snacks, and they're underhandedly delicious. Um, so, if you'd ever like to, you know, get some get some <laughs> weird alien animal fruit snacks off the ground, Dastardly Snacks would love to to license that content. I will get in touch with you as soon as I can design some fruit snacks. In the meantime, nice. if you need if you need illustrations for a box, get in touch. <laughs> nice. We actually do need an illustration. Um, we wanted to hire you, and I wanted to say it now, and I'm not going to say what the background story is. Uh, we're going to keep that for a while and wait until people are wearing the shirt, and then... And then we're gonna lay it on them, but we we want a we want a toad. You want a toad? Okay. We want it. We want a toad for for forging flame. Mm-hmm. And there's a reference there, and I'm not gonna mention it. I can tell you. I can tell you off camera. Or should we even tell her? I, I, you know, I, it really you, doesn't matter one way you. or the other. But I mean, it's up to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh. It's, oh, right now. What? Save it. No, no, not saying it right now. No, 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 no. We're saving that for sure. But I'm just curious whether we should tell now. <laughs> uh, 
I don't really yeah. care if it doesn't have anything to do with the, the actual toad. Has nothing to do with the toad. No. Okay, then I want to wait with the rest of the audience. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Well, yeah, we should do that. Yep. That's I'm, happening. I'm interested. That's going to be our first t-shirt. The Forging Flame Toad. I'm way on board. Hell yeah. As long as Mallory is. Because I'm on board. Has, I love it. Has it to, has yeah. to be Mallory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nobody else can do it. <laughs> yep. So if you're interested, go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Um, oh, okay. this actually, the reason I made his eyes that way, I made him a normal tiger with little normal eyes, like an angry eyebrow, but I didn't think it was like funny enough. So I put both of his <laughs> eyes on the same side of his face. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep catching my attention. I didn't even like notice it until you brought brought it like brought focus to it, and just it, every time I look down, I just see his eyes, and I love it. Yeah, it could have been a normal lame tiger, but no, it's a hilarious googly eyed Simpsons tiger. Yes, there's there. The best part is yes, it is immediately delightful, but there are layers, and like you can keep referring back, and like whether it's just like digging into the like the weirdness of color. Or, like, looking for that layer of, like, mania that, you know, (laughs) seems to prevail through your work. Like, one of... One of my favorite inspirations, the one I think back to the most usually, especially when I paint, are those interstitials when they do in cartoons where they do a really highly detailed painted shot for Mm. some reason. Like, there's Spongebob episodes with it. It's like, you've got Squidward's really detailed, like, pockmarked, super shaded face. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, Ren and Stimpy interstitials. Those are my favorite things. Because (laughs) those have layers, but they only show them for a second. And it drove me crazy. And so, like, growing up, I was like, I want to make those so I can look at them for longer. (laughs) But you want to have that, like, cartoony effect where you're like, it looks real, but it's not real. (laughs) So we're... Kind of unsettling. Yeah. Other, other Other than that sort of thing, like, what... What would you say – what would you attribute like your your biggest influences to? Um, let's see. I would say Tattoo Flash for sure. Sure. Um, street art. Um, some of my like favorite artists are street artists and tattooists. Those are like some of my favorites. Um, cartoons obviously. And cartoons like growing up, um, I had Lisa Frank binders. I have a Lisa Frank notebook at home from third grade that's full <laughs> of just – no homework, obviously. It's just all stupid drawings, you know, and um, folders from the 90s that they don't do that anymore. They don't have those like beautiful, like whole masterpieces on folders anymore because you don't really use folders anymore. But like those were so cool. And I always like had a bunch of them that I didn't have anything in. They just looked really cool. Um and, you know, that nostalgia thing where I look back on old cartoons or even cartoons now are are a big inspiration too. Um, other illustrators, um, designers of – poster designers especially, I think. Like when you have that standing poster or like a gig poster, like music posters that you have like – you have everything in that poster. And it's like it's its own – almost monolith of a piece and you're like advertising an event but the event isn't usually tied to whatever is in the illustration it's something to catch somebody's eye it's like oh look at this cool thing also the show is happening (laughs) like the the cat the cat thing the cat piece that's like that's what i think of when i see that you've got like a it's very purple is it the halloween one 
the that black hat in the is center. like heavily inspired by like gig posters. That's, see, it's I, one of those things that yeah. I wanted to put as many references to Halloween as I possibly could in the yeah. entire image. So you have the skeletons, the gravestone, there's the cat, there's the ghost, there's the bat. There's like layer, 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 layer. I want you to have to stand there and like look at all the little pieces that like I put in there. I love putting – when I figure out the little piece to go in a spot – it's so satisfying to be like, oh, that piece goes there. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> There's another piece on there that was for a, um, it was for a fake, um, it was for a fake gig from Vardigan, and it was like it was their little poster contest thing, and so I made up a poster, and it's like a skull with some, you know, dog heads and some <laughs> skeleton hands, and it doesn't mean anything, but it looks cool, and it you know makes you read it. It's badass. So like that kind of stuff. Um, beer labels is a huge one. Beer label would be like. That's a, that'd be a dream come true if I could. Oh, you I haven't done do that it. yet. No, For some I did. reason I thought you'd. I am on the Craft Brew Doodle Crew in town and the Craft Brew Doodle Crew collaborates and we make beer labels together and I have finished those. And so I guess that qualifies, but the drawing itself was not made by me completely. So it's like a, I think I like three quarters made a beer label, but okay. I would love to entirely make a beer label someday. Oh, dude. Oh, wait, no, that's not true. I totally did this. <laughs> <laughs> so prolific an artist, she can't even remember. I love it. Well, see, my problem is when something good happens to me, I immediately forget it. But when something bad happens to me, I remember it forever. Yes. So, detail. and that's, that's a really big problem. Yeah, and classic when it's, human behavior. And when it's, it's something that I'm like, oh, I wanted to do that forever. And then you do it and then you don't remember it. Like, that's horrible. <laughs> I feel really bad now. <laughs> it was for the same it's for the same brewery though that does the craft brew doodle crew. I did do my own design. It looked really cool, but I couldn't go and get it. I think it was I was doing something that day that I couldn't go pick one up at the keg opening. So I actually don't have a can of that. Um, yeah. Maybe they have one kicking around, but then COVID yeah. hit, so I couldn't go get it. It was yeah. it was in February, I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There will there'll be a million more craft brews out there for, for your artwork to Yeah, to one wrap can only hope. Around. So Yeah. What was the name of that beer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it on here? Oh shoot. I don't remember now. It's like a, <laughs> okay. the the drawing was of a cockatrice and it was a, it was a reference to a beer that the Indiana City folks had done before. Um and Ooh, something medieval, some castle-y themed. Feel really bad for forgetting it. But it, it was it was themed off of this, like, castle. And so I had a castle, put it in the piece, and then wrapped this cockatrice around it to harken back to the original beer that this beer was based off of. But I think it was called, like, cockatrice something or other, you know. And it was an, it was an IPA. They do a um, – it was for their artist series. They have an artist series. They think it – they do it – not now, but they used to do it monthly, and then they did it every two months – um, it was just an experimental beer that the brewers could make, and then they'd have the folks on the craft brew doodle crew do the label. So it would—it's just like a easy collaboration between people who both have a vested interest in the success of Indiana City. So it's always a cool collab. Indiana City people have always been pretty cool. I feel like definitely. Yeah, hmm. I miss doing the doodle crew. We obviously haven't been able to do it. So yeah, that was every month we'd sit around a table and trade paper. So, yeah, that's that sounds fun, and your your artwork, your style, I could see lending itself really nicely to, to all of that 
crazy like IPA art that you see. And I'm a sucker for that kind of shit too. I'm gonna I'm gonna fall for the like the most colorful label. I'm oh, like, I always buy right, it off yep. the label. And then Jason's like, why do you always follow the label? You know that this one isn't as good as this one. I'm like, yeah, but this one has an ugly fish on it, and this one has a really cool like pinball machine on it. Obviously, I'm gonna get the one with the pinball machine on it. Well, look how much they care. Yeah, there's a yeah. uh, three Floyds. Obviously, yeah. you know, are aware of them, but they have. Some of the best labels, that would be an awesome like gig. But I just need to send them postcards. I need to be sending postcards to breweries, and I just haven't been. So this is all on me. I'm not like sitting here waiting by the phone for nobody to call. <laughs> it's just like I keep forgetting to yeah. to put my foot into that door. Yeah. Looks like you've had a lot going on in general. So It's you a know. lot of work. Yeah, it's <laughs> one it's foot in front of the other, man. Yeah. No, no sense in rushing it as much as I'd love to like – try and push you into a million things that I think would be fun or <laughs> hilarious. Like, yeah. You know. I mean, that's the nice thing is there is always time. Yeah. So, and the things that I'm doing now, you know, I was thinking like, oh, I really want to do that, but I know that, you know, I can't do that right now. But then now I am doing those things. So it's like, obviously there will be time for you to do that. You know, I used to do only one design of apparel at a time cause it's all I could afford. And now I'm at a place where I have not only enough income, but enough um, pre-order motivation that I can, or not pre-order motivation, um, enough of an audience that I can actually purchase those and at least pay off the order. You know, those shirts might last a little while and that's fine. I just like, at least I can get them in the door and make them look cool on my shop, have them for conventions when they finally open back up, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Building up my inventory and not buying only what will immediately sell out because it's not effective long-term to only have you know, 10 of something that more than 10 people want to buy. So, but that's all I could afford before. So what are you physically doing? Like with, with most of your, <clears throat> most of your artwork here, are you like, are you like using like a Wacom tablet and a pen or? It's an iPad. Okay. Um, I swapped completely to iPad, I think three years ago when it's, it's one of the original ones where you <laughs> stick the pen like in mm -hmm. the, the charging jack. <laughs> but, um, uh, I got one. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to use this. Am I going to use Because I didn't really like doing digital work that much before that, but I did it for certain things. Like I have some repeating patterns and obviously I can't do that with a pencil or at least I can't do that with a pencil. I'm sure <laughs> someone can. Um, but so I was using a Wacom tablet, an old Cintiq from 2009, which I bought used in 2012. So it was like this poor little ancient thing with this little teeny tiny it was legit like this big and so i was doing all my digital work on that and then when i got the ipad i hated it at first i was like oh no i hate procreate oh i hate this oh i hate all these programs that everybody uses the pen stabilization sucks and my lines look like poopy like i don't know how to do this um and it's one of those things it's like you know if you pick up an instrument and you're already good at an instrument and you pick up a new one and you're not immediately good at it and you're like this is dumb it sucks and then you go play <laughs> yeah. your other instrument um, um, that's how I felt when I picked up the guitar after playing viola for eight years. Like it doesn't work, but, um, but then I finally kept just doing it and doing it. And I had a friend recommend a specific program to me, um, Autodesk sketchbook. And it's kind of for babies, you know, it's, it's very bare bones. It's free. Um, but I love it. Like it has everything I need, everything I need right at hand. Nothing's confusing. Nothing's hidden. Nothing's weird behind menus, you know, and it's it, most of the digital stuff on there from within the last two years is all Autodesk sketchbook, some Photoshop to just fix things. Cause Autodesk is not a good like editing program. It's not good to move things around. It's not good to 
change sizes of files and things like that. Although mm -hmm. I picked up Clip Studio this past weekend, and I guess I'll try that for a while. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, it's all that one free program. <laughs> nice. That's rad. Hell yeah. It's, it's always great when the free shit is even better than the, the expensive loaded down with too yeah. much clutter. Yeah. Cause I bought procreate and it's not expensive. It's $10. Like it's not insanely expensive in terms of, you know, um, art programs, but I liked the free one, you know, and I felt dumb for not, you know, using it first. And obviously procreate has way more options than Autodesk does. I just don't need them. Right. Mm -hmm. I record a podcast in my garage with my oldest daughter, garage band, Perfect for my needs. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't need anything better yeah. if it works. Why fix it if it's not broken? Exactly. All right. So um, I, I let allow me to struggle here for a second while I uh, resurrect the question that I had loaded in the chamber. I'm just going to hem and haw for a second. Hem and haw. Uh, while, <laughs> while I dredge it back up. Oh, I wanted to ask because I've, I noticed your your tattoos when you came up um any of those your own designs i do i have one yeah. i have to get up for it though well okay here bust it on us i didn't mean to it's oh, oh yes i remember that one. Oh wow okay so what's going on there so it's a melty dog i don't okay. know why i'm holding my keys i'm sorry <laughs> that's <phone>. okay <laughs> add some nice um jingle jangle it's christmas time <laughs> um but it's like i call him booger dog um <laughs> I, when I was at the working at that furniture company, I would draw all the time mm -hmm. and it would always just be for me. And so I actually came up with a lot, like a lot of cool stuff while I was there. And that was one of them. I just had a really tall space on a piece of paper that had other stuff on it. And I was like, oh, can I fit in this tall space? And I like mushed a dog in there. I was <laughs> like, he's really cool. I like him. Um, I ended up painting him a couple years later. So there is a painting in existence. It's sold ages ago but um and the one i painted he's yellow but the the tattoo when i went to go get it it's from local guy dane smith oh he's um, awesome yeah and uh i asked him i was like would you i know this isn't your design would you do this for me this was before he was on tv so <laughs> he was like yes <laughs> so he did that for me and then i asked him to color it and so he colored it green with like a pink nose i'm like it's perfect it's perfect like you know me like Obviously, this is great. So I just call him Booger Dog. He's my favorite tattoo. He's also the tattoo that everybody loves the most. Like of all my tattoos, everybody's like, that one's great. And I'm like, thank you. I made that one. When, now, how many other people have tattoos of your work on their body? I don't mm. know. Um, there are a couple that I know of. There was a couple pieces that I did years ago. One was, it was a Spocktopus. So it's an <laughs> octopus with like Spock's like haircut and the ears and stuff. <laughs> and uh, the other one was a, it was a Buddha Snorlax. So it's Snorlax with the robes and the beads and there's like a little halo around them and stuff. And Buddha Snorlax is actually my most ripped design. <laughs> so many people have ripped that design and like turned it into Red oh. Bubble merch. You know, it's mm. everywhere. I don't mm. care. It's an old, it, I hate that drawing now. So I'm like, take it, take it internet. You can have it. Conceptually though, it's, it. You almost have to expect that, right? Like, it's just so perfect. Yeah. And I th it really hit a note. And then, like, one time, I think I made, like, $500 in one month off of Redbubble because it, like, went crazy on Reddit. You mm. know, like, one time. Like, I got a Reddit post and people went crazy and, like, bought the hell out of it. Nice. So, um, but at least one person, not 
the same person has those as tattoos. So I've seen those just because I've looked that up to see who's stolen it these days. And like the tattoo of the design has memed on nine gag or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, Shit. Oh, I made that, you know? And like, like I never, <laughs> I never heard awesome. from the person who got that as a tattoo, at, you know, at all, or the tattooist or whatever is just like, you just see it. And there's other people who um, have gotten it and then showed me, I think two other people have showed me. One guy's actually in my Instagram messages right now asking me if he can use it. And I'm like, I don't care. Just show me. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, I don't care if you use it as a tattoo. I just want you to show me. Mm -hmm. That's all I want. Now, is that like hyper validating or does it kind of freak you out on some level? I think it's cool. I mean, I think, you know, if somebody likes something that I made enough that they want it on their body for the rest of their life, I'm like, wow, like, it's really cool that something that I made, you know, is resonating so hard with you. Um, you know, when it's, when it's like the Buddhist Norlax or whatever, it's not mm-hmm. as fun cause that's not an original piece. Um, but it, you know, it's my rendition. Sure. So, and they, they didn't get the artist to redraw it. They got the one that I drew, you know, and, um, I did a fan art for the adventure zone. It's a D and D podcast and it's of, um, Garol. He's a spectral binicorn, which is just a unicorn with two horns. And it's like. And he has like a little word bubble. It it doesn't matter. Anyway, it's like a horse head basically. And somebody got it as a tattoo and then like ages later showed it to me. And they were like, I didn't know this was yours. And I was like, did you not look it up or <laughs> whatever? Thank you for showing me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I saw uh, you had one with a lotus. There was a lotus and maybe it was a wolf with a third eye. Is it the mask? No, it wasn't a mask. Oh, God. Where is it? Where is it? But it actually looks a lot like a tattoo I already have. And it kind of makes me want to get that one just on the opposite arm. I've I've got to get that deck of cards, though. Like, it has to be in my life and soon. Wow. I just... I. I could scroll through this shit and <laughs> <laughs> Try up near the top. I think I know the one you're talking about. All right. Let's see. Yeah, I've been learning some uh, magic tricks for my for my nieces just oh, to, really? just to blow their minds. And oh, I've got so a few I've got a few card decks or card tricks on deck, but I haven't practiced them. I just have like notes about them and how it works and stuff. So I think your deck would be perfect for like a cool well, little magic deck. I actually don't sell those through my Etsy. Those are through Ouija but you can okay. you can get them at any time. Nice. Or I mean, like if if I went out more, I'd bring you a deck. But <laughs> it's hard in COVID times. But you know, yeah. I can always. If for some reason you don't have one, by the next time I see you, just let me know. I'll bring you one. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> You're you, welcome. You keep saying those words, and I don't understand the words that you're saying Ouija Pija is a company and so it's w-e-e-p-e-e-j-a and it's it's a joke on a Ouija board okay so it's like oh, Ouija Pija you know like okay whatever um but the other artists and other people that um, work on it are really into occult imagery so it was really cool. apt for them to start with and um, since they've been opening it up to other artists I'm one of only nine artists on that website we're all um we all have licensed designs through this company Ouija and um it, it they have sole licensure so all of the designs that they have I cannot make I cannot sell those products myself out of my store so like for example if I have a bandana 
that has Godzilla on it. I have a Godzilla bandana available, but it's not something that I can sell. It's licensed through another company. Mm -hmm. So that company will sell it for me. Those cards were funded by Ouijapedia. I could not make those by myself. So Mm -hmm. because I was able to work with this company, I was able to make them real, which was so cool. So love them. Give them business. Yeah. <laughs> it's run by by four of my friends, four of my dearest friends. They're they live in Ohio. You know, it's you know nothing nothing wild, but they do really high quality work. Just not up to cardist standards. <laughs> so if you're a cardist, don't buy them. Yeah, just don't buy them. Just shut the fuck up and don't buy. Okay. That was my Suck whole thing. That was my whole thing. I was like, don't buy it. Yeah, it's not for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. okay. I'm I'm planting a hard stake in the ground. Forging flame is officially against anything deep cardist. Like they can, <laughs> they can all go to hell. I, well, hold up. <laughs> Slow down. Let's not speak too soon. Slow down. There might be some really interesting cardists out there that aren't assholes. Yeah, right. I think if it's like cardist, in any community. You yeah. know, you're going to find crappy people. So if you're a cardist who's yeah. not like the people I'm talking about, you're cool. You can hang yeah, out. you're cool. We can – yeah, you're good. I'd like to take it one step further and just go ahead and invite a cardist onto the show so they right. can plead their case because in the meantime – I'm I'm remaining where I stand. I understand so your he's need, got, Ryan, to take a, a more political says, approach. Like, Cardists are horrible. <laughs> Convince me otherwise. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, yep. open invitation me. to any and all Cardists to and, read yeah. on the website or the website on the on the podcast and. Um, you, this Proof podcast is going down specifically for this extremely yeah. niche reason, isn't it? I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like, we were going to get canceled one way or the other. I suppose I ought to take it from the cardist. I don't have any faith in the strength of their numbers. <laughs> I, I challenge them to uh, to coming on the show and um, mm. and challenging my preconceptions or physical confrontation. Fisticuffs in the yeah, yards. That's right. A little... Uh, little Old school brawling. I'm into it. Did you find it? I can't find the one. <laughs> he's, he's like three years down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It might be deep down there, but it was it was perfect. I've got this. I've got this like kind of trippy skull in my arm with with a lot of Aww. symbolism and a lotus flower and the third eye, and it reminded me very very. It was almost like exactly that, but not a skull. And I wanted it, and now I can't find it, and it pisses me off. It's in there hang on, somewhere. Hang on, hang on. Let me check something. You I think I screen grabbed it. You find it, Ryan. <laughs> I might have screen grabbed it. Let's <sighs> check here. Is it not this one? Oh, it is. That, that one. is that one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. God damn it. Yep. It's kind of hard to see from the yeah. Instagram one because it looks a little zoomed out. Yeah. To, to be. What is it? Is it a cat? It is a Tibetan like mask, uh, but yeah, it's yeah. a like a cat shape. Yeah. The flowers. The sword, all of it. I love it. I think, yep. I think I need it. It's um, it's been one of my favorite like pieces that I've made recently. It was actually made after a Bhutanese mask. They're specifically a little bit more interesting to me. Mm. Tibetan masks, obviously, very cool. But Bhutanese masks have a, this flare that just looks so cool. They have the big bug eyes and the weird pointy ears, and they have these mouths that look like a omega almost, you know, mm. they just look mm. really cool. I really mm. like them, but nobody knows what you're talking about when you use that term. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does that exist on a t-shirt? It 
does not. I was trying to think if I licensed that one or not. I have not. Mm. That one, because it has so much shading in it, I can't get it to, I can't pull the colors myself. I could get it screen printed ostensibly if I paid somebody to do it. Sure. But I have a feeling that one's destined for more print-like stuff. Sure. Um, I do have tapestries of it. So um, tapestries, bandanas, prints, and I think that's it right now. I could, I, I know that this sounds, this is, I shouldn't even say it because it just sounds so like cheap and shitty. Right. But like, I really feel like you could make a million fucking dollars, like licensing your, your work onto like cell phone cases. There, Ouija has cell phone cases. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. And I, I, they, they sell a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of phone cases through there. Um, they sell a lot of t-shirts, phone cases, bandanas. I'm trying to think of what else they sell. Like shower curtains, <laughs> leggings, nice. um, stickers, obviously towels, pillowcases. Like you want to furnish your home in my stuff? You can. <laughs> Amazing. Dye sublimated socks. I think they're working on socks. Last time I – I'm not even kidding. Like last time I talked to them, they were like, yeah, we're working on socks. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> I know I know a guy who takes photos of his smoke and photo, he photographs it and then like flips it and then he throws a bunch of color on it. But then he sells them on socks. Yep. It's like, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird smoke art. On socks. If you can it's find cool. your product, you go with it and you keep doing it until they stop. <laughs> <laughs> Why the hell not? Just do it. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So we've we've been at it for for coming up on two hours now. Oh. We've yeah, I know. It's it's a time suck. <laughs> just, yep. It just right disappears. By. But seems like it's probably a good point to at least start, you know, tapering down towards some sort of a, an ending mm-hmm. yeah. in the spirit of of getting there. If you could distill down any of any of the conversation that we've had or anything that we haven't touched on into maybe just a couple of nuggets of useful advice for either someone who wishes to take their artistic pursuits into like more of a life-sustaining realm. Or someone who just wishes to create as an outlet, what sort of what sort of I don't necessarily want to say advice, but but just some helpful tips in terms of getting getting a good a good release or a good result out of it. What what could you what could you say to inform those? I think in terms if you are just looking for art as like a hobby or something that you really enjoy doing and like say you hit art block or whatever, um, if you tend to have a performative aspect to your artwork, like say that you post it or whatever, um, try not to be as try not to think about it as much try not to think about what people want from you as much now i know i do that but it's mostly because like will this sell or not if you're not selling it just don't care people will come along with you don't make don't make fan first of all if you're not into fan art don't make it please don't do that people told me that for ages they're like just make fan art you'll get really popular yeah but then you'll get popular for making that fan art and then people will only want to see that and it's not if your heart's not in it there's no reason for you to do that if you are into it if you're into making fan art make it post it use it because your passion's in it but if you're drawing you know i don't know deadpool and you haven't read a comic book in your life and you don't even care about any of it and you don't even like the movie like don't do it just don't do it it's not worth it but Make what you want to make, 
people will find you. People will come along for the ride. I know it sometimes it takes a really long time. It took me a decade to get over a thousand followers. It sometimes it takes a long time. And that really sucks, especially if you're trying to leap into it like I did. And for people who want to make it a career, you have to know I'm not going to say you have to know exactly what you want to be at the end of the road, because I didn't know selling at conventions was a thing that you could make money at. Who the hell knew that? I stumbled into it. Just follow the passion of the things that you like. Go find other people making money, making what you want to make, and try to work backwards. If you want to be in galleries, if you want to hang pieces in galleries and have gallery shows and you know be that kind of person... Go to a gallery show. Talk to that artist if you can. And if you can't, just try to kind of extrapolate what they did. Try to find the gallery owner. See what you information you can get out of them. Sometimes they're rude, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, just work smarter, not harder, I think. You know, and in the beginning, sometimes those are synonymous. Sometimes you have to work really, really hard. Sometimes you have to work more than you think you should. Um, but you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And I think, you know, you can beat your head against a brick wall and do the same thing over and over again that isn't working. But if something is not working, if you're looking at something and it is not working, reassess and change. Don't keep doing the same thing. Don't keep going to conventions with your fan art that you hate like I did and expect to make money because you won't. Um, and... And at the same time, even if you're trying to make merch, just try not to try not to make things you don't want to make. Even if you're trying to sell stuff, it's the same advice, but with slightly less gusto, because I understand the impulse. But, you know, make stuff for yourself to put that out there. See if people like that. And most of the time they will. Most of the time the audience you're cultivating is interested in stuff that you like for the most part. So I think that's all I have i'm sure i left out a lot but still that was great very yeah very very like powerful words very impactful immediately implementable type of advice so that's what i like i like the stuff that i can do something about i don't like the sort of the secret believe you can do no i you Mm -hmm. can i mean believe you can do it obviously but that's not going to change anything you have to do something yeah just do something do one little tiny step today even if it's the tiniest thing like say you don't like your screen name on Instagram. Just change it. Just change it. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Just one thing that's done today that wasn't done yesterday or ever. Exactly. Yeah. Take your intention and your action and put those in alignment with one another. And don't, you know, don't do what I do and do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> uh, don't do what I do and lament about the things that you haven't done yet, you know, be better than I am and look back at all the places that you've come from. Even if you're just starting, you came from somewhere. You know, if you're, if you're a creative of any type, you have done whatever it is that you're doing, you have done it before. You know, if you're a musician, maybe you've been playing since you were a kid or maybe you've been playing since last week, but you've learned so much since last week. You know, you have to, you have to look at the, you can't just look at the road ahead and be intimidated. Look at the journey that you've just come on and believe that you can continue because look what you already did. Mm-hmm. beautiful yeah that's that's huge definitely you know believing that that you can really is the first step otherwise you're just going to be paralyzed and you're just going to be looking at the road in front of you and just yeah yeah it's those dumb platitudes but those journeys of a thousand miles do start with a single step but you know sometimes you're 500 steps in you're still not there yet but mm-hmm. you got halfway yeah eat the elephant eat the elephant how relevant <laughs> to recent uh conversation Man. 
<laughs> you went there. I, I you had to. Not. You had it, to. At least it, was it a dick joke this time? So oh, until we get to the trunk. <laughs> what? I don't know. I mean, you just, have to eat the whole elephant, you know. Yeah. <laughs> God. Damn, whole thing right. means the whole thing, Ryan. It was your analogy earlier. All right. Well, was that yeah. was that on? Was that when we were? I don't remember. Yeah, that was a pre- we the previous at. podcast in a hey, different it's universe. A, it's a real callback, y'all. Yep. Take part and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Well, so what? Uh, what would be the most appropriate places to send people to get to know you and perhaps shower you with riches? Um, so staplercake.com is a really good hub. Um, okay. it has every, it has galleries on there to peruse. They're picked by me. They're not just Instagram ones, you know? Um, so those are handpicked by me. Those are the ones I want you to see first. So definitely staplercake.com or mhodgkin.com if that's not annoying to spell, but it has, it has links to everywhere. It has links to my shop. They'll have a link to my Twitter, a link to my Instagram. I'm sure there's other places that Stabler Cake exists out there, but those are not updated. The only updated places are Twitter, Instagram, and my own website. Um, and Etsy, obviously. So Etsy is my storefront. Cool. All right. Nice. Wow. Anything else, Ryan? I, yeah, no, Mallory? I don't think, uh, I don't think I have anything. Yeah. I, I think, think that I'm... was, that was pretty good. That was a solid, a solid uh, show, guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot for making the time and coming to see us and risking, you know, leaving the house in COVID times <laughs> because, I mean, you might die. I mean, yeah. I could also get hit by a bus. It's okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no control over the outcome. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I know I felt like. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I hope no. I made a good show. <laughs> I think you made an excellent show. Okay, I good. think everything about that was really great. Seem very much like you know what you're doing. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Could you tell thank me? You. Could you tell my brain that? And then <laughs> I mean, I tried. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> she won't listen. It's fine. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again. Thanks. Bye.